心。This is, this is gonna be episode twenty-five, I think. So, how do you feel about that? You know, I'm, Big I'm number two-five. I I like it. I like it. You yeah. know, it's uh, it's a nice uh, what is it? It's a square number. It is. Yeah. So, is. I'll take it. I'll take what I get. Awesome. Yeah. We got. Yeah. Well, I know freshman year was Matt Blau, but. Matthew Blaustein, the full name. Yeah, whatever. Listen, you can call me Matt Blaustein. You can call me Matthew. My mom really calls me Matthew, but whatever, whatever you want to call me, just yeah. You're you, all, you all call me Blau. I'm easy. I'm easy with yeah. it. I, I get everything. So yeah. yeah. So me and me and Matt Matt are freshman year of college at um, University of Wisconsin Madison. We were on the same floor freshman year, and I don't exactly remember how we became friends, but our, our floor was just so tight in general. I yeah. Think. I, I vaguely remember me just keeping my door open, and this is yeah. like, it took me like a whole semester and a half to fucking open up, and uh, I just kept my door open and was producing music, and I think you just walked in, like sat down, yeah. like listened and stuff like that, and talked to me about it, um, and just let me like run the spiel of how I started producing music, so I think I think it's back to then, probably, it was probably like, what, third day of college or something like that, but yeah. Yeah. Because you had the, like, you had such, like, the good location on the floor. Oh, Yeah. Straight out of the elevator, second yeah, door. Yeah, Witty Hall, left. like, you had to go down the whole, it was like a one way hallway. Yeah. So you'd, like, have to pass yeah. a certain amount of dorms. Exactly. Like, and I, I was, was just, all the way down the hallway, so every And time I, I was number two. Somewhere. I just, I yeah. could come back. The, the amount of times, man, that I literally, like, would literally run back from a class at a probably Moss and be, like, halfway through, like, man, you know, I, I gotta, you know. I got to print something in the basement, but then I also have to make it back to make it on a meeting. And then I got to get on this other Zoom call, and I got to run out and go do something. The amount of times that that happened, and I was able to just do it like this because my room was right next to the elevator, yeah. and it made it so much easier. Yeah, you yeah. had a gr- good room for yeah, that. Yeah, though. yeah, 100%. Shout out to Billy, one, zero, uh, one, one, oh, five, five. Um, I saw Billy the other day. He's Did he actually? Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I see him, too. Yeah, he's got a good beard now. He's got a really good beard, really? so I'm very proud of him. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Billy Cronschnabel. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, for sure. I know we've been kind of kicking this around for a while, so yeah. I'm glad we could finally make it happen. 100%, man. I, uh, yeah. just kind of wanted to get your story out there and just see what people think. Yeah, well, I'm an open book, so whatever um, you got, by all means. All right. Yeah. I guess, yeah, one of the biggest things I wanted to get into is... Um, a lot of people on the floor just knew you as the DJ. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, if you want a full background on that, I started uh, DJing. So I think my story of music is just, I've always been pretty musically inclined my whole life. It was to the point where like my, my siblings and I, uh, I, I give a lot of credit to my mom because uh, she always like pushed us to be creative and pushed us to think outside the box. So okay. by the age of, uh, I think I was five years old and my brother and sister were three because they're twins. Um we put on performances for our family, like in our living room. Um, I, I vaguely remember us putting on a piano man by Billy Joel and, uh, me and my brother and sister, like how old was it? Just, just, we were just screeching it. Like I was five, they were three, wow. like we were screeching okay. it. 
It was terrible. Time. Having a good time, but, you know, probably burst a few eardrums here and there. <laughs> but, yeah, so from there, it just, you know, kind of spiraled. I never, you know, when they sent out the invites in third grade and they were like, yeah, you can enroll in band and play an instrument. Like, for me, I was just like, I want to play the French horn because it looks cool. But they were like, no, you can't play that. You got to, like, level up from clarinet. And I was like, screw that. I don't want to level up. So I, I never ended up, like, formally training to play a single instrument. So... For me, it was, I was just always trying to find ways to be creative. Uh, sometimes it materialized in uh, writing, sometimes it was sketching. Um, and then I went off to a camp, and when I was out at camp, one of the counselors uh, had a lot of dubstep on his phone. He started playing me a little bit of Skrillex. And uh, like the um, Scary awesome. Monsters and Nice Sprites EP, which is, you know, every, I feel like a lot of kids our age had like the Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites uh, oh, yeah. bang a ring on their phone. I know, I definitely yeah, did for yeah. sure. So yeah. Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites became like my real entrance into EDM. And then after that, it was Dead Mouse and uh, Ghosts and stuff and a few other tracks that he put out. And I was like, you know, this is pretty dope. I got really into the idea of live performances, but I was like, you know, there's, there's nothing there. Like I, you know, I'm not formally trained in anything. I don't really have experience. I knew I was, you know, very creative, but I didn't really know how to get into it. And it got to the point where I think I told you this story all the way back in freshman year, but it was seventh grade and I was sitting on my couch and there was a ad that came on the TV during, I think it was like the Daytona 500, seventh grade. And it was um, a commercial for 7up and it was uh, Tiesto and Martin Garrix performing at a rave in a desert. And the song was uh, The Only Way Is Up. And so that song came on. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, the visual of them up on these like 50 foot tall platforms, just DJing with lights, just reverberating through the crowd. I was like, this That's is, so crazy. this is dope. And yeah. I was like, I need to get into this right now. Just so, super inspired by it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I downloaded a uh, random uh, software called Mix and started putting together my own mashups. And I didn't really know how to mash up, but like I, you know, I started putting out um, some, you know, random tapes and put them on my phone and showed them to my friends. And then my friends kind of grit their teeth through it while they heard like these really rough beats because I didn't know how to mix these two songs to the point where I tried to remix the song Happy, but it was just me looping one specific bar over and over. And I was like, yeah, this is a remix, guys. So, you know, here you go. But it got to the point where, you know, I, I started gradually going out to my comfort zone. Um, I started working with, you know, branding with, you know, I, I, I don't want to use the name Matt Blaustein because I feel like that's kind of generic. I feel like, you know, yeah. let's use something else. So for, for the longest time, it was uh, for 7th and 8th grade, it was uh, Packer52 because I used that as a handle, I think, in either Pop Tropica or Roblox or some shit. So it was Packer52. And then from there, I kind of went up further when I actually started putting together loops on GarageBand in 2014. And I was like, I had read a book called Sidekicks by, um, I forgot this guy's name. But it was like a superhero book, and the bad guy, his name was Monkey Wrench. And I was like, that's a pretty interesting name. So I adopted that. So from uh, eighth grade to, I want to say 12th grade, I was Monkey Wrench. That was my music name. That okay. was my DJ name. Uh, to the point where my brother and sister still call me uh, Wrench, DJ, whatever. Like, they won't even call me Matt. They'll call me DJ or Wrench. They'll call me and say Deej or something. Or like, like, to this day? To this day. Okay. They won't even refer to me as Matt. Like, my, my brother and sister, their friends, some of my family even won't even, like, refer to me as Matt. They'll just refer to me as DJ or whatever. That's, um, that's crazy. Which is though. nuts to me. But um, Just blood, sweat, and tears. Exactly. That's, that's awesome. But so I started uh, working from, uh, I think it was ninth grade on. Ninth grade, I was like, yeah, let's, you know, put together some stuff. Let's uh, start putting loops together let's start putting out a formal al album so sure. in ninth grade i put together a bunch of different tracks and that materialized in an album released in uh, i want to say it was mid ninth grade and it was called slivers of identity because kind of was it was just a bit of <laughs> a few pieces of you know what i was working with what i was you know creating 
Um, it was literally just pre-made Apple loops. But from there, I remember I was like, I want to, you know, continue expanding. Um, my dad for, I want to say it was either Hanukkah or something, got me a Logic Pro X, which was, you know, 300 bucks, but it's like the premier audio editing software, music production software for Macs because I have one. Okay. So he got me it. And from there, just it shot up. I was like, I'm, I'm going full in on this. Like I, you know, before it was a hobby, but like now it's like, this is my life now. Like this is something I spent all my time on. Would you say that's something that kind of held you back? Was that like audio editing software? I would or, say what was it called? a little. Um, originally, I started with GarageBand, but then I went to Logic Pro. So yeah. I, I'd say there isn't a huge material difference between the two. I think for me, the one thing that held me back is that I just was very unconfident and I was very socially awkward and I was like growing at the point where I go to school and I was starting to become known as the guy who would produce beats on his phone. And it was socially awkward as hell. <laughs> and uh, literally to the point where like I was known as the guy who I remember one day at lunch for some reason I got up on the table in the lunchroom and started whipping and neighing when it was a when it was a thing. And, I don't know why, but that sounds yeah. so much like yeah. yeah. And that was that was my rap. That was my that was my street cred for I want to say the rest of my high school experience from ninth grade on. I was known as that kid who whipped and neighed and also got shoved into a locker after uh, doing a what are the odds challenge that I can't even go into here, but um. So I was just working with it. I was continually working um, on like improving my craft and stuff like that to the point where um, it was the summer going into 10th grade and I was like, I, you know, I, I actually want to like start working. Like I don't want to like keep putting together Apple loops. I want to start producing my own shit. Like I want to start producing like my own beats, my own melodies, okay. everything. Just, just for people that don't know. So I have a couple of friends that came on. I think it was around like episode 10 or so. Yeah. And they... Their name is DJ Fritzlow, and okay. so it's two dudes. It's Jonathan Lopez, he went to my high school, yep. and then Andrew Fritz. And they, what they'll do is they'll like they'll get hired by people, and then they come once they're invited to a party or a gig or something. They'll they'll come and they'll perform these events, yep. and they'll they'll do like kind of like you said, like mashups. Of like, course, yeah. they're not really making their own beats, but they're kind of yeah intertwining these songs in a way that the transitions are pretty immaculate yep. and it makes it fun because yeah i don't know the, the the music just keeps to keep going and the energy like stays in the air throughout the night yeah i mean it's it's something where like you, you know even if i stop talking about like you know my background music for a bit but like I think I think a lot of credit should go to two friends, um, like with the yeah. big booty mixes. I yeah, mean, I, exactly. I think and they that was really a huge like inspiration. For yeah, them. They and they they friends. made the mashup like mainstream, and that was yeah. something that I really appreciated because back in high school, I'd mix two songs together, and people would be like, "What the hell is this?" And then two friends started doing it, and they got to the point where I actually I've been in contact with two friends in the past. Like, really? I, yeah, so that's a whole story and a half. So I was hired, or I wasn't hired, but I was like kind of picked to, you know, DJ my high school's homecoming when I was a senior. And so there was one song by two friends called Sedated. And the issue was they had a very, you know, big rule at my high school. It's like, you know, no, all, all tracks had to be clean. There's no explicit, you know, language. There's no curses, etc. So this song had like, you know, the, the, the word fuck in it a bunch of times. And I yeah. was like, this sucks. I wonder what I can do. So I was looking online. There were no clean versions. There were no radio edits. So I literally just emailed them. I was like, I somehow found uh, Matt from Two Friends' email. I think it's literally, I think it's literally just Matt at twofriendsmusic.com. Yeah, I don't know if they changed it by now. But I was like, 
hi, I am a high school senior, and uh, I want to play your songs sedated at my high school's homecoming. And he got back to me within 12 hours. That's crazy. And I was like, this is nuts. And at that point, they weren't known as two friends. They were known as the two friends. Like, they did a whole rebrand when Big wow. Booty started to get, like, big, probably around, like, probably around senior year of high school, probably around the same time I was talking to them. Um, but so he got back to me. He's like, dude, that sounds dope. Um, you know, I'll send it over. So they sent me over a clean... Uh, a acapella file and the instrumental and they're like yeah just put it together so i spliced it together took out the curses have a clean probably the only version of the clean version of one of their songs on my computer because they sent me the original file and it was one of the most dope experiences of my life that is such a cool story i'm gonna have to tell them because those guys would eat that yeah they would eat that oh no they they were the nicest guys too i literally emailed them as like you know you don't have to do this at all and they literally got back to me i was like because it was like a seven day turn like I had seven days to prepare for this gig because the whole background around my high school homecoming thing was I told one of my buddies who was one of the members of like our high school, uh, what, what you might call it, like the high school board or whatever, like the uh, student council or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of our like class officers or whatever, and I, he was responsible for homecoming, prom, et cetera. And I told this kid Bradley, I was like, yo, um, I know you know I DJ. Um, I don't know if you guys need a DJ. I've never really DJed a public gig before, but if you need me, I'll do it. And he's like, we'll think about it. And I got told 30 minutes before our uh, class assembly, our assembly with like 160 kids in the auditorium for all the seniors. I got told, actually, no, it wasn't even 30. It was 10 minutes before I got a text from Bradley. He's like, yeah, we're announcing that you're DJing our high school homecoming dance in two weeks. I was like, I texted you about this two months ago. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? So I'm, I'm at uh, the auditorium and like I am like full on outcast at this point. Like I literally was just known as the guy who made beats. I was not social at all in high school. And so they were like, and we're going to be DJed by uh, our very own Matt Blessing. And people gave me a freaking standing ovation. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, you guys don't even talk to me. Why the fuck are you giving me a standing ovation? <laughs> I was like, dude, this is the fucking weirdest moment ever. And then my best friend James was like, you should probably stand up. So I stood up and people started clapping for me. I was like, thanks. But, shout out James. You know, shout out, shout out James Campanella for fucking pushing me to stand up. But I was like, this is, this is mental. But then I went and DJed my high school's homecoming dance. And after that, I was just like hooked. Because that was the first ever live performance I did. It was like 200 kids nuts i still have videos of me putting every on every time we touch and the mosh pit was nuts they had they had a whole rig of colored lights behind me it was dope but um ever since then just i was like yeah i'm gonna keep producing i'm gonna keep i mean that was kind of why you started right you were chasing that oh yeah i mean you talk about i think it's all about chasing a high honestly performing yeah performing piano man as a kid yeah it's all about the live performance all all about just satisfying a crowd and making them you know really you know resonating with them in a way you know really appealing to their emotions but also just you know getting you know making them enjoy good performance is always my priority it's always something you know that every dj's priority should be just that so well, that's yeah, yeah that's super cool yeah. thanks man so you had the you had the performance and it went well you, yeah i mean i mean you had a week to prepare oh I feel yeah like that's not nearly enough time for a set right oh like, no and it was also it was like a four-hour set man like oh i oh my gosh and i had only done in my bedroom like 45 minute sets like i had a little I had <laughs> at like that a, time yeah man. and i was like i was like oh, okay so instead of going to we had our soccer team's homecoming the day before because remember it was uh and actually no to make matters worse I was off on a school camping trip with like a program I was in in high school for three days before this. So I didn't even have seven days to prepare. I had one night 
because I was out. So I could have the playlist ready, but I also like was paranoid about the school's Wi-Fi going out because we had crappy Wi-Fi. So I individually downloaded, like I pirated like 200 songs onto my uh, my Mac. Just and, as like a fail-safe. Yeah. Sure. In three hours at like midnight the night before while everyone else is at my high school soccer's homecoming game. And everyone was like, where are you? I was like, I'm preparing for tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what the do you mean man so i did that um but the high school day it was it was nuts man like it was it was amazing yeah that's really good yeah i mean so yeah they always tell me about you know the guys i know dj fritzl just i always ask them questions about it and you really take some of that stuff for granted because i mean a four hour set like you think about it like oh it's only four hours like each song is like what, like three minutes around. I, th- I mean, I mean it's like twenty songs per hour. Then, well, like, I mean, I think it depends. For me, like maybe I maybe even, and you're probably not even playing the full song. Oh, I play. So that's, that, I mean, when I'm probably, DJing, I play maybe a minute of each song. I mean, so. that, that ends up being what, like seventy-five, a hundred songs. It, I mean, for that's, I think for that set, if I remember correctly, because that was like my first set, and I was going easy. I let them mostly play through and then switch. Yeah. Um, but I remember in the past, um, I have like done like frat parties and stuff yeah. like that, and I've done so seven hours is my longest. Oh um, my god! And seven hours, and I'm a tall guy. I'm six five, so it was the table this low, and I had to bend over consistently. <laughs> fix seven hours would probably get you over two hundred songs. So I mentally had to sequence like BPMs, how to line everything up. You know what kicks are gonna you know really match with other kicks. You know what. Should I work my highs, my lows, my mids when I'm going to like swap the track? Do I do a high filter or a low filter pass? So it's almost like you're putting together a very complex formula in your mind. And then you have to like do it in front of a crowd of like maybe 50 to 100 people. And like that just all increases like stress when you're like DJing at venues. Because I'm I'm DJing at venues now. Like it's like gone from frat parties to venues. And like it's it's even more nuts. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess... Maybe just continuing chronologically. Yeah. And I'm trying to think where we left off. I feel... Okay, so I was probably... Like, not much really happened otherwise back in high school. I think the most... I think the biggest part for me was when I was uh, developing my craft and I was like, you know, I'm going to start doing stuff and, you know, I'm going to start producing my own beats and I'm going to start producing my own melodies. And so I put out a... uh, I'm trying to remember. After Slivers of Identity, I put out a uh, small EP... Um, called The Calm, and at this point I had already transferred back to just my name. I was like, I'm gonna start putting stuff out under my name. So it's just Matt now. Okay. So it's just Matt Blouse. And are you dropping your own stuff at this point now? Yeah, like yeah, these yeah. mashups? No, so? these are just straight up real songs. Like, okay. Slivers of Identity was like first up, but like, this is like the first organic no-loop. EDM. EDM, okay. everything. And like, I, for me, I like just going range, like, I like being rangy in a way of like, I like going to every single corner of it, and like, testing the boundaries right. and doing stuff where it's like regular EDM but then pop but then maybe weirdly enough rap or even a weird rock hybrid I've done like a few of those in the past it's just, I like I'm, that you're, you're not leaving any I don't yeah I don't turn, like being you know? I don't like being it's, defined to a single you know yeah, part of it but sure. so basically I produced this album called The Calm and the big part about it was it was the first song that I was like actually getting you know vocals in like I wasn't singing the vocals but I was getting vocals I was putting them in and uh, I was mixing them together and like that one did um, like it didn't really get much cause it was on SoundCloud, but, um, mm-hmm. I remember, I think my chief achievement was, uh, it was the first song that I've ever had chart online. 
um, I had music uh, chart online for the first time. So really? I had a song. Yeah, I had a song reach 151 worldwide on uh, the Spinning uh, Records talent pool, which in itself is kind of a really flawed um, chart. But it's like Spinning Records is one of the big you know EDM labels out there. Okay. Um, they're responsible for a lot of guys like Martin Garrix, Oliver Heldens, Firebeats, etc. Um, but so they have a talent pool website where basically you just drop a demo. And they have like up from one to one thousand. They have a ranking of you know who's doing well, and they have subgenres and stuff. So I reached one hundred fifty one worldwide with this track called Rip Chord, and it was a it was a weird just electronic track. And I I don't remember like what the inspiration was for it was, but it was just a weird like you know kind of electro, very like mechanic sounding track. Okay. And uh, it did well. I was like, this is you know this is really good. And, you know, did I, when I, you I, made it? Did you expect it? No, I, honestly, th- this was it was probably the second least hype track to me on the entire EP that I made. Yeah. Like I I made a I think it was a ten track EP, and I think the first track was pretty mid. Um, it was just it was basically almost a carbon copy of a Dead Mouse song called Right the Second. I just took a lot of influence from there and kind of hybrid it and put it with like some of the track like some of the uh, tech techniques that I use um, okay. so a lot of just like the more like poppy elements and like you know a lot less of the whole progressive house stuff than Dead Mouse does but so I um, really just started there and I was like this is pretty mid track and so I was ordering the tracks and I was like I'm gonna put you know Ripcord at number nine because I you know it's a, it's a mid track I don't want a super hype track at the end of the EP and it did well and I was like this is you know this is big so from then on in high school, I just started producing regularly. Like, it, it did not stop from then on. Um, it got to the point where we basically had a senior thesis option in high school, and I put together an album called Memories Left Behind. And uh, I, like, put out... That was the first song, time that I actually ever... Or one of the first times I ever started, like, singing on my own tracks. Okay. Was this album. And uh, it went well, man. Like, I did not expect it in the slightest, but it, it went pretty well. But, yeah, that was probably me in high school totality. Okay, so when did the, when did you drop the call? When was that? So that was probably June of 2018. Okay. So and then when was the when was the so the DJ for your, your homecoming? That was, was that probably senior? September. That was September 2018. Yeah. So June of 2018, which is end of 11th grade, I dropped okay. the call. Um, senior year, because the whole the whole reason behind the call was because I was going to release another EP called The Storm, like the whole calm before the storm, whatever, and. I just didn't end up doing it because I ended up scrapping that name because I couldn't create an album cover with it. I was just like, there's no really good covers that I can make because almost as fun for me as like making music is making the cover art. And when there's nothing there and there's no substance, I, substance, I was like, I'm not interested. I don't want to make it. Okay. So uh, I just made an EP called Making Waves. So it was Making Waves in uh, August, and then I went and did my um, high school homecoming. Okay. Yeah. And then how was Making Waves? Was that... It was okay. I mean, literally the whole purpose of that was... Is that was, a full album or an EP? No, it was an EP. It was like a six-track EP, and literally the only purpose was it was um, just putting out some scrap tracks that I had, and mainly most of them were just covers of, like, songs. So, like, you had a, a cover of... Um, I think it was the Mega Man theme. I think I, I did a cover of the Mega Man theme for Mega Man 2. Um, so I did that. Um, then I also had... I don't even remember all the songs that were on this one, but I remember that I had... Um, a, a remix of Heavy by Linkin Park and Kiara. Okay. Um, so I had that. Um, I also had a cover of Megalovania from Undertale um, in there. And then I also had like one or two original songs. Uh, I had a song called Hemispheres in there, which I still think holds up pretty pretty damn well. Um, as far as where my catalog is, like that's honestly probably one of the only early tracks that I would consider playing at a gig because that's a very future... Hemispheres. Yeah. That's a cool name. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, 
forgot what I was gonna ask you. But yeah, that's that's cool stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. So that so at that point, is that when you were like starting to sing on your songs then? Yeah, I think like, it during was during that EP. I think the first EP that I ever um, sang on it wasn't that EP. I think it was. So I released the the first time I um, ever sang was actually after I made the decision to jump from SoundCloud to actually releasing stuff on Spotify and iTunes, and okay. so I. Um, there's a website called DistroKid. I'm not sure if you use that for your podcast, but it's a uh, distribution uh, site. You can literally just upload your music. They screen to make sure there's no piracy or whatever. And so then it can drop on Spotify, exactly. Apple Music. Exactly. So it's like 40 bucks a year for two artists or 20 bucks a year for one artist. And I was like, I'm, I'll take that every day. Like That's cheap as hell, and I'll put it out. Because I don't care about profiting from my music. Like, it is it is what it is. It's a passion project. So yeah, exactly. That's I, how I feel about exactly. this, too. Yeah. So I put out a fully instrumental album called Amplify on a on a DistroKid, which, you know, launched on everything. I put that on on December 31st, 2018. So that was, like, my last release of 2018. That was almost like I was going into the new era of production. And so I dropped another album called All Parts Broken on, um, I think it was February 20th of 2019. Um, and that was the first album that I really sang on. So um, it was all parts broken there. And then from then on, I just kept producing. And then at this point, are you under just your... Just under my name. Blau? Yeah, yeah, it's just okay. Matt Blaustein at this point. I didn't really change it up until obviously this past year. But I, I just kept it for mainly most of college so far. Just could grow a base, basically. Okay. Yeah. And what made you switch between SoundCloud and Spotify? What, I guess, yeah. what was the... So I think the biggest factor was the fact that not everyone I knew had Spotify or had SoundCloud. Um, a lot of people who, like, if you are not heavy into, like, the whole, like, you know, a lot of rappers use it. It's a very heavy for, like, young up-and-coming rappers, hip-hop like producers. SoundCloud? SoundCloud, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's very used there. Um, but also a lot of EDM producers use it, like a lot of younger ones, because it's cheap, it's free. You can drop whatever you want there, but unless you're very into, like, listening to up-and-comers... It seems like a lot, yeah, a lot of underground It's very music, niche, so yeah, it's, it's very niche. Yeah. So I'd have, like... People in my grade literally be like, yeah, you know, where can I, find, can I find your music? And I'd be like, it's on SoundCloud. And they'd be like, what the hell is SoundCloud? Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, at this point, i got to have to change. And I remember my big, like, aha moment was I was giving a presentation, actually, to a class, um, to, a, to the program I was in in high school, actually. Um, shout out to Phaedrus. But, so I was giving a, uh, uh, just a presentation to this Phaedrus class, and I was like, um, just talking, I was like, I'll answer any questions you have. And one girl raised her hand, and this girl Laura, she was like, Yeah, so why don't you release anything on SoundCloud? Or why are you are you ever going to release stuff on the main platforms? And I, I gave some BS edgy answer about how, like, I'm not going to sell out or whatever. <laughs> and that, but then I went home and I did some thinking. I was like, That's a really stupid ass way to look at it. Because, like, bit. yeah, there's, there's no reason for me not to. And it's so, like, it's not that expensive. It's 20 for a year. So, start releasing on and like you said even if you release on spotify it's not i wouldn't say it's greedy or selling out necessarily it's just like if people want to listen to it i want to give them the opportunity yeah and like it's it's a lot about it's a lot about you just you need to abandon the mindset of like you know selling out i think a lot of people really hold that in way too much and really the real issue here is like it's it's a lot about ego but it's also about the fact that if you want to be successful, make your stuff accessible. Like, make it yeah, accessible. Yeah. Make people who want to, like, listen to music, listen to music. Don't make them have to go through hoops and, you know, in the guise of, I'm not going to sell out so my stuff isn't on there. It's the same vibe for why. I forgot who it is, but there are some artists who are exclusively on Tidal now and not Spotify. Mm-hmm. 
and like while I can understand that, at the same time, like you know, streaming, like streaming has wrecked hell on the average musician. Like oh, you, yeah. you, you get no money for it anymore. Yeah. It's really all live performances. But at the same time, like you want to grow a fan base, you have to have it on everything. Like you cannot marginalize your community, or you are going to make like you are going to not succeed. It's going to be like, oh, you have one base in title, but. How many people really use title? Like, truthfully, I, I don't really know many. People I think who use it. a large majority of people listening to this probably don't even know what title is. Exactly, it's mainly <laughs> it's really Spotify or Apple Music these yeah. days. So like, that's had, that's Jay Z's. Yeah, like, it's Jay Z's weird one. Yeah, and like the interesting t- thing too is I think Jay Z abandoned like the whole idea of we want artists that are exclusive to title because he's on Spotify. Like hell, I have the encore and numb like mashup that he did with Linkin Park on my gym playlist, and it's on Spotify, <laughs> and I just use it. You know, so all the songs with Kanye on Spotify. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you made the switch to Spotify in high school. Yeah, we're at. You dropped. You said you dropped another what instrumental album in February? So no, I dropped an album called All Parts Broken, and so that that album has an interesting background. So that album was um, at the time it was just like a. I was already working on a new album because Amplify, which I released back in December, was merely just a really just like a kind of collection of past instrumentals I'd done that you know I wanted okay. to put on Spotify. Okay. So. At the time, I was like, yeah, you know what? I have all these instrumentals. I'll just put them together. But, like, let's start work on this actual album. Like, let's let's really start producing this stuff. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to high school from 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Oh, my so gosh. Like, I love this. It's just, like, a grind story, yeah. man. You're just, like, it's, I can I can just hear that, like. It's nonstop. It's it's just it's I a can lot just of, picture you getting home from school and you're like, oh, yeah. we're going to do this. Yeah. You know, that, the, you're starting to work on the album. The truth is, is if anyone asks my brother and sister, my mom, I, I did not really leave my room much in high school. Like, I literally, I'd be in there. I like, the my mom started like mandating me, like, you have to come out of your room. I'd be like, why? Because, like, I go downstairs and I instantly want to go back upstairs and produce music and like it's not gonna, it's not going to stop it's like a cycle it's a grind I love oh music oh gosh it's so it's it's not it's just such a big you can just tell it's just a huge passion yeah. in it's just I love talking to yeah. people about their passions yeah. I don't know have you listened to I'm sure you've listened to College Dropout by Kanye yes yes I've seen I it I think it's on uh, on Spaceship he's like you know the, the past two summers there's some bar about how he's like he made. He was stuck in his room making four beats a day yeah. every summer, and he's no, like, "See if you can match truth. my it's hustle, like, match my even, grind." You know? Even these days, like I mean, I get clowned on for this all the time, but I'll have friends who go out to bars and like they'll be like, "Yeah, you know, we, we're gonna go to a party later. You want to come with?" And I'll be like, I'm, "I'm at home producing, man. Like yeah. I, I cannot come out. Like it, it's gotten to the point where like I feel bad for my girlfriend because my girlfriend will be like, "Yeah, you know, let's go to a party," and I'll be like. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta produce. I gotta meet yeah. this mental deadline because it's not like there's actually a deadline. But mentally, I'm like, I gotta set a deadline for me to have this music out. I want to have a new song out each month, um, or I want to start compiling an album. I try to release like two albums a year, and like now it's turned into like one album a year because of college. But like I try to release um, my work like around like a few times a year, and I have mental deadlines nonstop, and it just really always makes me want to stay indoors and just keep producing, keep checking out new beats. I could literally be left alone with my computer and produce for probably well over five hours at any given time. Like, I literally, like, in the internship I'm working, I'm working for Showtime Sports and Paramount right now, and so 
I'll like do some work for them and then like you know when my day is over I'll do another four hours of production that's like, so I just, awesome man. I don't leave my room I you've just, just like found the path yeah. you've just found it like it's people, nuts it's people nuts, spend dude. their whole life trying to like find what you oh, yeah. found so that's yeah. that's great to no, hear no it's, it's absolutely insane man I'm, I'm so grateful for it every day that's yeah. yeah that's so awesome okay so I guess you keep kind of getting sidetracked but this is yeah. good this is good I yeah. like the little side breaks yeah Okay, so... So, All Parts Broken, I think, is yeah, where we left off. Yeah. And so that's an interesting one. So when I was, uh, I think I was three years old, and it was 2004, my dad was diagnosed with uh, stage four thymic cancer. And so this is a thing where, I think I've told you this in the past, I told a bunch of people, like everyone on our floor fi- figured it out at some point. But so um, he initially beat it. Um, he relapsed, or he uh, went into remission in, I think, uh, 08, after four years of battling it. Um, and then, uh, you know, in 2018, he relapsed. And so this was like... October 28th, uh, 2018, he tells me he's relapsed. And I was like, well, I'm in production of an album, so I'll just dedicate it to you. And so I'm working on the album, you know, texting my dad sometimes. And it gets to the point where, you know, my dad passed on January 20th, 2019. And so I was like, you know, I was upset, obviously. But at the same time, like that inner passion for music is like, well, you know, my dad died. But also, I have an album, <laughs> yeah. and I have to like I want to meet this mental deadline. I was like, so I worked my ass off, man, to like do the whole like I want it to be symbolic. I want to be one month after he died. I want to drop it on everything. I want every single song to be done. I want the only song that I don't have done, the song that I'm dedicating to him. And that's the title track, All Parts Broken. And that was the first song that I ever really like sang on, and so yeah, I used a tremendous amount of auto tune. But like I worked my <laughs> ass off to like make that song and i was like and dropped the album dropped a month after dropped it on it and the response i got from my family like my grandma called me like my grandma called me crying my grandpa was like this is you know this is good stuff everyone was like this is really good stuff and like after that i was like you know not to minimize like the achievement or whatever but i want to start working on the next one so instantly got in the studio again so release all parts broken on february 20th 2019 then in March of 2019, I released a little track that I created in the span of, I gave myself a six hour time limit. And I was like, you need to have a song fully done, like recorded, mixed, mastered, ready to be released. So and did you have the beat at that no, point? No, oh made gosh. it all in six hours. And so it's this you track. Just, you were just kind of, it's almost just a test, like see yep. what you can do. You and know? so not only did I make a regular version of it, I made an extended mix, I made a clean version, I made everything. It's called Automaton. It's on my Spotify, and it's actually one of the only tracks that I'll literally go back to and listen because I think it still kind of holds up. Um, it's a weird little trap robotic beat, and like I was just like, I want to use it for this. And like the reason why I did it then was because it was senior skip day in my high school, and like I was a social recluse. Like I had maybe like three or four close friends. Um, like my my two best friends are these guys named James Campanella and Jake Foman, and. They were both off doing their own thing. I think they weren't even able to skip school with it because they actually had stuff they had to do in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was skipping. I was like, well, James and Jake are in high school. You know, like they're in school right now. I can't do shit with them. So, well, my brother and sister were in high school because I had to pick them up. Um, those six hours I spent while they were in school uh, producing and working. And, that, you know, Automaton was the result of that. And it, it was just a great song, great song to work on. Um, and it was one of the first times that I've really like truly experimented with vocals and like, you know, worked with pitching, worked with like making it sound robotic and using vocoders and stuff like that. And it was, it was dope. It was just really good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
It's good stuff. Yeah, I, it's cool just seeing your progression even throughout high school. Yeah. honestly, see where you. Yeah, I mean, I think I grew a lot. Um, I think that's probably the stage that I probably grew the most as far as the musician because from like college on, like it's been here and there, but it's really just a lot of the lessons I learned back in high school. So, yeah, you just yeah. a little more preoccupied now. Yeah, say? I, I'd say it, it's a lot um, for me. I. I worked, I want to say, oh my God, my, my girlfriend and my friends clown me for this, but I worked like six jobs last semester and took 16 credits. Simultaneously? And produced. Oh my God. And somehow submitted, got the second, like, you know, submitted a few different applications to internships and got like the one of my dreams. And I was like, this is nuts. But I'm gonna go produce music now to celebrate. <laughs> so I was like, "This is so weird," and you know, I'm doing so much stuff. But um, at the same time, I always make time for it. Like I will literally fully stack my schedule to the point where my friends are like, "You are going to burn yourself out so quickly." Like I did burn myself out. Like last last year, fall semester, I had to take a trip home actually to New York for five days in the middle of the semester because I was just so burnt out. I was gonna working. ask you that because I've I've really been kind of pushing myself to see yeah how far i can take because i'm really into like research and that that's my yep. thing i don't know not nearly on the same level you are yeah. but i'm like i can really find that i have the passion that you yeah. have for music well for me like i i think the whole thing is i just really like having my schedule stacked and like i love having stuff that's how do. i am too i that's just so like cool. yeah I, I can't function i can't yeah. function if i don't have stuff stacked like literally the point where one of the, the jobs i did is like you know i, I joined this um this group of guys called uh, x medias which is a music collective based in chicago and it's a bunch of different music producers and djs and all these guys like these guys are also like shout out to them because they have been crucial in helping me like find my confidence to like start djing getting me in contact with venues like using their relationships with people at Liquid to, like, start lighting me, like, make relationships with them. Exactly, the point where, it's all about um, the connections, yeah. you know? But so they're, like, they have been crucial. But so I, I started working as, like, their social media guy because I was, like, you know, I'm, I'm good at graphic design. I'm good at social media marketing. So I started working on stuff called Question of the Week, which is basically I made a new template each week, and I'd ask them a question, and we'd all, like, I put out their answers so it was like stupid stuff like what's your favorite pizza topping or what's your go-to Mario Kart character and like um, from there like you know I literally only joined that too because I met Abel uh, Peter who's uh, one of the DJs but I met Abel Gray um, when he was DJing for Tritonal um, he was opening a show at Liquid um, in October of last year of this is in Madison yeah. yeah and he was opening and I remember I had tagged him in my Instagram story, he's like, you know, obviously he's the artist there, so like I'm gonna tag him because you know I want him to get credit for his work and stuff like that. I yeah. think it's dope. And I remember I had pushed beforehand. All my friends were like, we don't need to go for the opening DJ. We just go for Tritonal because Tritonal is my favorite music group. Like I love Tritonal, and I was like, dude, I want to go see everyone. So I went and saw Abel, and I was like, and like as much as I love Tritonal, he was better. Like he was so. <laughs> He was a force. Shout out to Peter. Like, I will send you this podcast with a timestamp after. But, dude, you were a force. And you had, um, there's this girl, Noelle, who sings with him. And she came out and she was just killing it on the mic. And I was like, this is dope as hell. So I tagged Abel. And so Peter responds. He's like, dude, thank you so much. And I was like, yeah, you know, I work with a few, you know, me and a few other student DJs were here there at the time. Because I was there with a few guys who were an SPDJ, the student club for DJs. Okay. 
And I was like, you know, you were fucking amazing, man. Like, would you like to like talk with us or something? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. But like that never materialized. But then I kept like staying in contact with him because I was like, this dude was dope. I want to learn all his tricks. You know, I sent him my music. He took a listen. He gave me some suggestions. And so when he announced X Medias, I was like, this sounds fucking dope. And I was like, I can't offer much in the way of like, you know, I am more of a novice musician than anything. Like I've been producing for years, but I'm not a serious one. Like I'm, you know, I'm a college student first. But what I can offer you is a social media guy. And like I have experience in that and I'm not going to charge you for it. I'm, I want to do this because I want to work with you guys. And I think you guys are dope as hell. And I want to get as much experience and learn as much as I can from you guys. And he was like, absolutely, man. Like we would love to have you on the team. And the people that I have met in this group are so so dope like so down to earth um there's a uw graduate in there her name's claire she's dope um there's also other guys um you know this one guy named neo who has dj'd and opened for tiesto before like such a dope group of individuals man i couldn't be more happy just they're so damn cool but yeah that's awesome yeah that's awesome to hear that yeah that's one thing I've found with any any interest or passion that you really gotta poke and prod within the community. Yeah. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask. And I don't know. I, I think it's a pride thing. I think a lot of people struggle with yeah asking for help, even if it is a passion of yours. And it's like I, I think that's one thing I've noticed as well. And that's something where, like, I've had people who have been nervous to approach me and been like, you know, I'm considering to start producing, but I'm not confident at all. I'm like, bro, I started producing on a Lenovo on a really shitty old Lenovo and like Lenovo computer to the point where one of the backs of the screen was broken off the hinge. (laughs) And I was doing these shitty mashups and literally my first mashup ever was me trying to remix cinema, like the Skrillex remix of cinema by looping it over and over. And like it was abysmal. I still have it on my computer. It's the only song I've ever had a wave file over a gigabyte. It's a two gigabyte large file because it was just, it was a, it's a 10 minute long song, but the absolute size of the file of just like the crap that I was putting in it just busted it. I was like, you are not going to learn anything unless you try and you fuck up. Yeah. Like, you need to realize that you fucking up is so, so crucial to you succeeding. So whether it be music, yeah. whether it be anything, you need to learn to fail. And that's something that I didn't figure out for the longest time until probably I got to college. But I was like, you need to fucking learn to fail. You need to learn to like fall on your face, embarrass yourself, make it, you know, make a mess of yourself. And just, you know, that's the only way you're going to advance. That's the only way you're going to grow. So that's really cool. Yeah. You say that. Cause I was doing like a ton of self-reflection at the start of 2022. Yeah on the new year and stuff of course that was a huge thing it's it's just such a pride thing in yeah. society where it's like you hear all these success stories and you want to be like that and like oh yeah i want to achieve all these great things but like you you gotta like you said you have to look at failure in a different light than i would yeah i would say majority of society looks at yeah it. Like no i this is gonna sound bad but like personally i love failing like yeah. it's it's the only way that I grow. Like, the amount of times that I have failed on something, like, super basic, like, I... The amount of projects that I'll start in Logic and have them sound like shit and literally just X out of them. Like, I'll have a song half done and be like, this is ass. <laughs> X out of it. Like, I... For me, you have to fail a number of times before you succeed. Yeah. And it's the only way you're going to grow. And so, yeah. I don't know if... 
if I heard this quote from somewhere, if I thought of it myself, I don't, but I see fail, like fail. I I think I just thought of this in my room, which I'm not like a huge thinker, but this kind of blew my mind. Like true success is the culmination of all those prior failures. That's how I see it. Absolutely. Like you just, like you said, you're just throwing stuff at the wall and then like whatever sticks, million things. And then, yeah, maybe something sticks and. But you never, I mean, maybe you could have got lucky in that first time you threw it. Like, it it happened to stick. I think the single most instrumental, like, lesson that I ever learned, like, was learning to fail. And also just, you know, I think the single moment that, like, perfectly encapsulates it is my brother and I, um, when we were younger, we were, you know, we've we've always been big fans of Nintendo, always big fans of Mario Kart and stuff like that. So... When uh, we were younger, we had stumbled upon there's this whole online community for like modding Mario Kart and hacking it. And so my brother Josh and I were always like, you know, very interested in doing it to the point where we begged our dad to go buy a two gigabyte SD card from Best Buy. And so when he came back from it, we'd spent, I think it was half of an entire winter break trying to figure out how to like put the files on our SD card. And like looking back on it now, like, I don't know how the hell it took me so much time to like do that basic task of like putting files on an SD card and making sure the files are properly labeled. But what I do is I would have my computer in my room and um, the Wii would be in our basement two floors down. And so I would put the, put the files into my, onto the SD card, hand it to my brother. My brother would run down the stairs and then just put it in the Wii and would run back up almost every time saying nothing happened. And this happened probably about 25 times. And I started to get super pissed. And then one time it stuck. And it worked. And Joshua and I started playing Mario Kart with all these mods. All these new <laughs> crazy. You're like, yeah. All this new, new, tr- new crazy stuff. And so after that, I was like, that is the one thing that I didn't realize it then. But coming back on it years later, that was probably the instance of where I was starting to realize, like, you have to fail. You have to fail to succeed. So... Yeah, that's a cool story. I like that story. Yeah, that's that's sweet. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess you you you're kind of nearing graduation for high school, yeah. right? Is there anything else that? Yeah, was I mean, a big moment before you so, started your freshman year here. Yeah, so or, I had um I had re- released as a thesis. Jeez, I had released as a thesis project my um. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. This album, Memories Left Behind, it was a nine-track album, and so two things stick out to me from that. There are actually three things. The first one was it was the first time I ever collaborated with someone, and that was um, I love her dearly, um, my best friend, his little sister Laura. Um, so um, I brought my mic set up everything over to my over to her house and like our school is unique we're literally like they let seniors by the time it was like mid-april they let seniors go you didn't need to come back to school until graduation but you were expected to Mm. like come back once a week to meet with you like your um assigned person to check in on your thesis project but you didn't have to be on campus at all did everyone have to do a thesis yeah yeah really either that or direct study but like it was great because i was like you know everyone who had a specific interest like people would make fashion lines um, because, like, keep in mind, also, I lived in New York, like, the ritzy part of New York. Right. So, like, what was it, Worcester? Uh, no, so I, Westchester. Westchester. So, I lived I lived in Edgemont. Um, it's a small neighborhood in, just in Scarsdale, which is, like, super ritzy. And, like, you know, for me, I just, 
a lot of people were like doing fashion lines, doing all these this expensive stuff. Me, I was back home with the music tech that like was old and like was given to me by my uncle, messing with like an equalize like an old eighties retro equalizer, seeing what noises it would make. So like, <laughs> I started producing um, through there just this one album called Memories Left Behind, okay. and so Lara was an accomplished singer. She's been singing her whole life. She's currently a music major. And I, I'm trying to remember, she's a music and something else major um, at Adelphi University in, uh, in New York. And so um, at the time, she was in 11th grade. And I was like, listen, I've known you your whole life. I know you're a singer. And I know you're a musician. I want you on this track. So I wrote the lyrics. I wrote everything. And I went to her basement. And I, I saw said hi to James before, like first. I was like, hey, James, I'm going to record a song of your sister it's like okay when it continued because he was working on his project which his he he is i love him to death but he did not really have much initiative on doing shit for this project in high school so his mom was like you're italian make some italian food (laughs) so his mom was forcing him to stay in the kitchen with her for like three hours a day (laughs) learning new recipes and stuff like that so i walked in i smelled the food i was like sounds good smells good james i'm gonna go in the basement (laughs) your sister So he had his little apron on and everything. He's like, okay. <laughs> so I get to the basement. And so Lara, um, I just set my mic stand up on her table. And I was like, okay, you've heard the lyrics. I sent you everything. I heard You heard me sing over it crappily. Now here's your moment. And so she sang it. And so that was a track called The Bright Side. And it was one of my favorite tracks I've ever made. Um, it's the most unorthodox to me track that I've ever made because it, it's a coffee shop song. It's like a coffee shop pop song. Yeah. There's no EDM. The only instruments are a set of bongos and a guitar. Like, that is it. There's no other instruments in there, no pianos, no anything. It's just her voice, the bongos, and the guitar. And so I am... It was dope as hell, man. And so, like, I'm really happy to say, like, I am... I'm talking to Laura now, and she's actually. We're, I'm doing a redone version of that for the album I'm putting out at the end of August. So That's super cool. That I was like, I'm pitching, you know... I have a whole EDM song. I need a vocal. And I listened to it again. And I was like, I need this, but pitched up um, a few semitones. Can you do it? And she's like, absolutely. So um, shout out to Lara. Uh, she's probably getting it back to me like in next week. But um, just like a version of her singing it. But so I um, did that. And then another song I did was called uh, Moving On, uh, the Edgemont song. It was just a song about, you know, me and my class moving on from Edgemont, uh-huh. and, uh, which is my high school. And so it was very, very much in the in the vein of the graduation song. If you have heard that, like you know, as we go on, we remember all the times we had together. Yeah, yeah. that song. So um, it was very much in that vein. But I was like one of my one of my close friends. His name is Max. Um, one, one of my one of my buddies who's he was um, making the grade level montage that he was showing at like senior night or whatever. And so I was like, you need a song for this. So he used my song in the senior montage in like a. You know, mainly an instrumental part of it, but I was like, you know... That's so cool. It was dope as hell. So I had that, and then I also had the last song was, was 953 Miles Away, and it was basically me singing about my anxiety moving from New York to Wisconsin. I know, yeah, that's what's something I wanted to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I... I've never, um, I've never even had to deal with anything yeah. like that before. It's and so that song is a really interesting background, too, because I just came up with the title. I sat down, I turned on my mic, clicked record, and I had no lyrics no lyrics at all and i improvised the entire song whoa and it was fucking dope and that's I, so cool it was so dope i had no lyrics on there my friend when i put it out people were like you're shitting i was like no i'm literally not like i had no lyrics whatever the fuck i thought was working i sang it so that was uh memories left behind okay so, yeah 
That's sweet. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. I like how you do all these different challenges. Like you said, yeah. kind of put, putting yourself outside of your comfort yep. zone and just... Absolutely. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yep. You know? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. It fails. Like, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. So, yeah. Why Wisconsin? That was a big question. Yeah. So, that's one that I, I get asked every single yeah, time. Yeah. I, I thought about that before this episode. Yeah. I knew I wanted to ask So, that. my dad's law school roommate, um, his name is Alec. He came to UW for his undergrad. Okay. Um, he is a Milwaukee native. So he came to UW for his undergrad, um, went to NYU with my dad, and uh, met each other there. They were law school roommates, and then moved back out here. Um, and so he lives in Shorewood over Milwaukee. Okay. Um, and so I've known this guy my whole life. I've, you know, his son um, is one of my close friends. Um, I've literally. I've joked with friends in the past. I've been like, you know, if, if this kid, if, if Paul was in my neighborhood, we probably would have been best friends, but he was halfway across the country and I saw him like maybe once a year. And the interesting thing is too, Paul's producing music now. So Paul is, you know, producing music and I'm like, you know, this is dope and I will always like, you know, listen to what he has to, you know, offer. I'm always like, I want to collaborate with you. I've known this kid my whole life. He's the same age as me, but you're younger, but like, um, because of the different cutoff, because in New York schools, there's a weird age, cut, age cutoff. He's a year younger than me in like school, but okay. he's actually older than me. He's a month older than me. But so I've known Paul for my whole life. And so um, when I was younger, um, my family and I, my dad, my brother and I used to do football trips where we go out to a new stadium every year and a new college stadium and just go to a game. And so on one of our trips, he came out to Green Bay I fell in love with like the area and just with the friendliness of all the fans and stuff like that. And so when I came back again in ninth grade for another Green Bay game, um, I went on a tour of UW and Alec gave me a tour and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is where I'm going. You know, don't even need another tour. I went on an official tour in 11th grade, but at that point my mind was set. I was like, right. I'm, go I'm going to UW. That's so cool. So, that, yeah. That's the same experience I had. Yeah. Just I feel like anyone that goes here, that first that first time you're on campus, exactly. it's, it's magical. I, it's just something about the, the city. It's just like you look I think, around and you're just like, I think for me, so it was awesome. the second I stepped onto, because I, I remember this vividly. I remember we had parked at the parking garage um, just off of State Street across from the university bookstore. So okay. on that corner of uh, Lake and State. And so the second I stepped foot onto Library Mall, like right next to the bookstore, I was like, it was almost like you know like in harry potter when harry takes the wand and like the whole like <laughs> the, there's like flashes and like sparkles around him. it was like that i was like holy shit i'm a fucking wisconsin wizard <laughs> but um so i was like yeah i'm going here this is it this is it yeah that's awesome yeah so you applied obviously got in yeah i, then... I got put on the wait list you did? Uh, or not okay. even on the wait list no i got it oh my god what's it called um i got deferred, deferred. Yeah, yeah i got deferred so i got deferred um and so basically, I, I still feel kind of guilty about this. Like my um, like letter of continued interest, which in my like, there really wasn't a due date for it. But like, if you wanted to submit something, like you should have it in early after your deferred. So mentally, my defer, you know, my letter of continued interest date was February first. And so my dad died on January twentieth. Two days later, I'm like, my dad's dying wish was to see me go into the University of Wisconsin Madison, and I showed this. To this day, I've looked at this letter and I've cringed every time because yeah, I've been yeah. like, Matt, you are so full of shit right yeah. now, but you are completely <laughs> using this to your advantage and yeah. I, you know, I, I applaud your ingenuity here, so sent it in and obviously they're like, oh, fuck. Right <laughs> so, now, can't, what do you even say to that? Exactly. <laughs> so they're like, we're so sorry for your loss and then instantly, like a month later, 
you know, we want to offer you a spot here. I was like, oh, okay. Th- th- thanks, Dad. <laughs> so that was my story there. Yeah. Well, you got in. That's yeah. All that yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. That's, that's good. So, so you go, you, so you get in, move into Wisconsin. Yeah. How, I mean... How was all that? Yeah. So it was it was a bit stressful. When did um, you write the what was it? Nine hundred sixty three miles away. Nine fifty three right? miles was yeah. it was actually prior to high school graduation. Okay. So it was like, but so it was just leading up. You're like, yeah, I think be so far away I from think, my family and my friends. Because I have a, just, pretty much a photographic memory of like when I worked on specific songs, just because okay. I'm like so in the in the like in the zone when I'm working on them. So I think I worked on nine fifty three miles away, and I think I completed it in span of like four days. And it was from uh, June 9th to June 12th of 2019. And so that was the last song I had done for the album. And I was just like, because originally I was like, I'm going to write lyrics. I'm going to sing all these. And I was like, these lyrics sound like shit. And I just deleted, recorded, and just like a loop. And I was like, it works. So that was the last song I ever did prior to graduation. So Just completely improvised. Yeah. That's, yeah, it was that's insane. Sweet. I'll have to check that yeah, out for sure. Yeah. It's not a good song in any regard. But is, it it's, on, it's is it on Spotify? Yeah, it's on Spotify. Under just under, under Matt Blessing. Blessing. Yeah. Okay. So it's on the Memories Left Behind album, but um, it's completely improvised. So cool. Yeah. So I mean, I guess there's upsides and downsides to the new city. You don't really know anyone, but that also leaves a ton of opportunity yeah. open for you if you choose to take advantage of that you know i think for me the biggest thing about moving moving to wisconsin was i was actually um when i was evaluating where i wanted to go to college i was between wisconsin and i was between university of minnesota which you know thinking back on it like god that awful makes, makes me always sick but like <laughs> truth is both both schools like were pretty equal in like the department that i wanted oh, to go yeah. which was you know was school journalism mm-hmm. so wisconsin had a better one but like also like a lot of the other stuff in minnesota was a little bit more appealing but you know it went back and forth but so when I was evaluating it, I nearly chose Minnesota solely based on the fact that no one from my high school is going to Minnesota, whereas four other people from my high school are going to Wisconsin. And I was like, you know what? It's such a massive campus. I'm not going to run into them consistently. So I went to Wisconsin. And I run into them here and there, but I don't really like talk with them much. Yeah. Um, nothing bad, just different people very different people uh, i didn't really talk with them much in yeah high school, i have so. people from my class yeah. that are like that too, yeah. yeah but so i came out to wisconsin and uh i remember driving we actually drove uh i think it was a 17 hour drive from new york oh, and we rented a really really shitty dodge grand caravan like an old bullying 2005 from a local uh i want to say it was a local um hertz or something but we rented a old uh dodge grand caravan and that thing was just chugging along <laughs> to witty hall and um, got to Madison. I remember I was fucking petrified when I moved in because I was the kid in high school who, like, I did not go to a party. Right. I did not drink. Yep. I did not do anything. I feel like I told you this, like, freshman year, but I was like, I did nothing. Like, I was super, super confined just to me and my two best friends. And I will never complain about that because we would just do super nerdy shit. Like, we watched the movie The Room. <laughs> one night and we'd also like we did a whole marathon of star wars movies one night and i will never complain about that because i'm a nerd at heart and also because like those two guys are my two best friends so like i loved spending time with james and jake but like we never went out and party so when when i came out to madison and people were partying i was like this is fucking weird and so i was um you know billy my freshman roommate um you know he and his boys from manitowoc party hard and they were like you know (laughs) 
yeah, you know, we're, we're going to go to this party or we're going to go here and there. And so he, they'd always be out. I'd always, you know, right. wake up in the middle of the night, Billy be dragging another thing that he's stealing from the witty lounge into our, <laughs> into our, uh, in our room. I remember one night he dragged in a freaking chair he stole from uh, the basement of Woody. Um, he put it back, obviously, before he moved out. But I remember he dragged it out. I was like, this is amazing. But so <laughs> I was like, what do I do here? And so I... You know, I made a few friends during orientation. So this one kid, Justin, and I were buddies. And I, you know, became friendly with his roommate, Declan. Um, but, like, I was, like, trying to expand stuff. And so that was when um, a fraternity came into play. And so I ended up um, starting DJ for a fraternity called Phi Kappa Ta. And so that was when I started to come out of my shell a little bit. Oh, 100%. I, I think like, a lot of people... When did you join that? The f- ooh, that was, that, that was probably... Um, spring semester so that was probably like second week okay. of january because i remember we got i think a lot of us got word that you joined it and we were like it, it was we were kind of taken aback because i'm always, not fratty yeah I, yeah we we're all just like no way like and so and so crazy. it's funny because like i joined it and i'm not listen i'm not gonna cap here i'm not gonna go too much into it but my time in that fraternity was probably the most miserable time of my life it was um, a lot of it was self-inflicted. A lot of it was just a lot of stuff I did to myself yeah. to uh, ruin the experience. And it was that. But there were also a few other things. And I won't go into it here because I don't like airing out dirty laundry like publicly because that's kind of you know bullshit. Yeah. I, I'm not someone to do that. But So it was not a great experience. And so as a result, I started kind of spiraling with like depression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so... What I was, you know, going through college and when I was, um, you know, you know, when we got sent home with COVID, um, I spent a lot of time there just producing because like I had nothing else to do. Yeah, right. So um, I produce and then I ended up releasing an album called Creed on um, August 30th, which was my birthday, 2020, um, because there really wasn't much that happened during COVID. Like for me, I just was at home producing and that was it. Um, but then I came back to campus and so... I ended up uh, taking over, I think it was six of the 11 positions on that executive board for the fraternity. And I was someone who was already working for a separate company. I was working for a sports media company. Uh, I was trying to launch a startup company called All Heart Network, which didn't end up working out, but it was a phenomenal experience. But I was doing a ton of work. And so it ended up Busy as usual. Yeah. How you like it. And like, it was fun. But then at the same time, I just completely burned out. Okay. And so... Like, to say I crashed and burned would probably be an overstatement. Um, I alienated myself from a lot of people in that fraternity um, through some actions that I made. You know, I still feel regret for them. But, like, at the same time, there wasn't a ton of support there, too. So mm-hmm. I ended up dropping the fraternity. Um, actually, the the day that I met my girlfriend um, on our first date, and she still clowns me for this. Half of my first date, apparently, with her was... Um, yeah, I want to drop my frat. Can you help me drop my frat? And I was like showing her my phone, trying to get her to write my my message. And she was like, I don't know why the hell I asked <laughs> you for a second date. But like, I guess I must have been bored or something. But that was the worst first date I've ever been on. And like, credit to her, you know, shout out to Haley. I love you. And you know, we've been together for a year and two months. It's fine. That's awesome. Um, we have a cat together now. But um, just, I, um, I completely crashed and burned out of that. And after that, I was like, I'm going to focus again on music because that goes back and forth. So I released um, my most recent album, which is Triumvirate, and I released that 
um, in tribute to my two best friends, James and Jake, because we, you know, jokingly called ourselves the Triumvirate because we all took Ladin, and it's like a whole Ladin joke of there were like three big military guys back in uh, the era of the Punic Wars and stuff like that, and, you know, Roman history, and their names were, um, it was Caesar, it was Pompey, and it was uh, Crassus, and so we just said, you know, three of us are like that, so... Um, we were just like a group of three guys, uh, doesn't spend a lot of time with each other. So I produced this album, put it out, easily my best album to date, to the point where I've played, you know, some of the songs in there live, and it has got a great reaction every time. But um, I put that album out, and then after that, I um, just kept producing, man. Like, I was, like, you know, I always kept myself busy, but, like, from then on, like, I think the fall of 2021 was probably the biggest like acceleration for me in every single way okay so, yeah cool yeah. yeah that was okay so one one thing that came up into my mind when you had like you said you had those really like close friends yeah and then like you were hit with that party scene would you would you say you're more introverted or extroverted i think that? i think the best word to describe me is i am a very very extroverted introvert <laughs> I will like I will love to reach out to people and I will love to go and hang out with people but I am yeah. also the first human being who will like find any excuse not to show up for something like that's a fault that I have but like it's because it's because like I am personally my solitude is me either at home working on graphic design or working on music or writing okay. and like having that intimate environment whether it be literally me working on graphic design, petting my cat, or me, you know, working on music with, like, a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, or me literally <laughs> at home forcing my poor girlfriend to watch another rerun of Spongebob. Like, that intimate environment for me cannot be beaten. And so, at, at heart, I am an introvert, but I am incredibly extroverted. So, okay. yeah. So, it kind of just depends on the day, then? Yeah, it really just get... depends on the day. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Because I know, I know you've always been a good talker. Yeah. Like, whenever... I'd just be wandering, I'd be bored, I'd be like, oh, let's see, let's stop in the blah's room. Yeah, I always have time to talk, because I'm just, I'm always, I'm always up for a conversation. And I always, like, yeah, I, I'm always just, yeah. what are you up to? Because, of course, you always get the computer cracked open yeah. with the, exactly, with the, 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 Music recording, software, yeah, yeah, the recording software, yeah. so. No, I mean, it was fun, man, I like, I, I enjoy Woody, um, shout out to, I, I still talk to a few people I saw, you know, I saw Alex earlier today. Um, I've seen Ryan and Nate a bit recently. Um, also, Leah, who was one one of my neighbors at oh. Woody, see her. Uh, not even see her. I just talk with her regularly, and I see her roommate Taylor regularly um, at the Nick. But like, I try to keep in contact with as much people from Woody as I can. Um, but yeah, like I I always had shit to do. I always had like you know stuff to talk to people about. So it's always a lot of fun there. Cool. Yeah, so are you? Are you? So you said you're you're not in the fret anymore. Yeah, I am not in the fret. Okay, I didn't know that because I remember yeah. when. Oh, when what was that sophomore year? So not, I I visited when you, came you back at the to my fret. yeah that was sophomore year so that was, I I, I think. From January 2000, a lot of the reason why Triumvirate was my best album was because January 2021, June. Uh, 2021 is probably one of the darkest periods of my life because I was just like spiraling. I had burnt myself out considerably because I had, you know, started taking on so much responsibility within the frat. Okay. But then not just that, like I was doing a lot of stuff outside of it. Like I was constantly trying to network. I was trying to make a startup company work. I was, you know, back on the dating scene and like I, you know, 
everything there with that was a nightmare. And so I was also just like, you know, coping with um, like alcohol. Like that, that's another issue too. Like, you know, as much as, you know, some of my friends have great experiences in frats, like the, the increase of readily available alcohol and like the pressure to start drinking is a big hamper. Yeah, on it. it's, there's it's so many external factors. Exactly. Yeah. And so it fucked me, man. Like I started, um, cause like the thing is too, also like simultaneously with all this stuff, like I, you know, I was seeing my therapist and like, you know, I'd gotten back on like, you know, meds that I was taking in high school. So, um, like Zoloft, if you know what that is, like it's a basic SSRI, it's a basic antidepressant. And so I got back on it. And so that interacts with alcohol. So okay. I didn't know that. Uh, or actually I knew it I just didn't really think it was going to be severe Yeah. but yeah. so because I was drinking alcohol so regularly and I was taking a dose of Zoloft each night um, it got to the point where I started dissociating so I would just like have I think the darkest moment of my life was probably in April 2021 and it was 2am and I had had a two hour long dissociation where it's very tough for me to explain what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've like, heard about it. It's like you're here. Only recently, yeah. Yeah, it's like if you know like what the movie Get Out is and like there's that whole idea of the sunken place where um, the main character gets like thrown in and like he's sees out but like he's like floating it's, in like an abyss. Do you feel like you're almost third person? In yeah, dude. Holy crap. Like... It feels like honestly like I'm playing freaking GTA and like I'm just third person doing shit. And so I think the darkest moment was like I – um. It was April 2021, and I was dissociating because, you know, once again, like the night before, I drank alcohol after having, you know, Zoloft. And, like, I don't know why I was being so affected by it, but, like, I started dissociating again. And so I was just – I went to my kitchen, and I tried to cook a quesadilla. And so I burnt them so bad. Like, I love cooking, and I burnt them so badly, and, like, they nearly started smoking. And, like, I was worried about the, like, mel like the smoke detector and stuff, so I turned on the fan – and so I turned everything off, and I was just staring at this thing of case, bird quesadillas for no joke 30 minutes. I was Holy standing God. there staring at them. And so I went to bed. This is like 2.40 a.m. I wake up next morning, and I just go out to my patio because I was living at the fraternity at that point. And I had a patio deck. I just sat out there with a pot of coffee trying to get into these online classes, trying to restart my day. And I was like... How the fuck do I do that when last night I had like a two hour, 30 minute dissociation and nearly burnt out my apartment? Yeah. And so I was like, shit needs to change now. So I dropped the frat. Um, I started dating my girlfriend, which, you know, she has been probably the most crucial factor to me being mentally stable in a lot of ways. And like, I know it sounds bad because like, you know, you don't want to be dependent. You don't want to be dependent. It's yeah. not really a dependency or anything. It's just she has always been there and she has always been someone who is always ready to like offer pick me up always interested in how i'm doing i'll get you know a how how are you doing text randomly um that's so cool it's man. so it's like very dude, like, therapeutic yeah way. man and like she's been the biggest like biggest pusher for me like she will like the amount of like stuff where she'll encourage me like she'll um i'll literally text her saying basic and she'll respond in 30 seconds, and she'll be like, yeah, with, like, a bunch of exclamation points. <laughs> and I'll be like, it could be something as basic as, like, I fed the cat. <laughs> and so she'll text me that back, and I'll be like, shit, man, I feel great. I'm going to do some shit right now. Um, but, like, she has been the single biggest inspiration to me and the single biggest pusher for me for me to, like, 
stay pushing and stay innovating and stay, you know, strong and all this stuff. And like, I, I owe her the world and a half. So. That's great. That's yeah. cool. You have a partner that's yeah. like that. And no, she's, uh, she's the most supportive human being I know. No, always pushing you to yeah. pursue your interests yeah. and Without aspirations. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, you were, it's almost like it was like so rock yeah, bottom. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was literally just gonna say that. Yeah. you just said rock bottom. It was right? like and I think that was the moment where I was like, so a lot has to change around here. And I think, I think friends of mine started noticing it. Um, one of my best friends, Joe, he was like, like he had started to notice some stuff, and he was like, are, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? One of my other buddies, John, had like started to notice some stuff. He was like, you know, you're a little bit rough around the edges right now, and like I was just, you know starting to figure myself out a bit and I was like yeah I'm gonna start you know crafting an escape plan you know I'm gonna you know leave this fraternity um don't know where the hell I'm gonna go because I was signed on a lease and I lived at the frat that you know this fall and I subletted out because you know obviously I wasn't in the frat anymore probably shouldn't be in a frat house yeah um but so I was like you know what do I do now so I started rebuilding man I was like from here on out like I, I all admit it I had a bad alcohol habit um and I you know would here and there smoke and so like I was like, I'm kicking that, I'm kicking alcohol, and, like, this is going to sound, like, I went from that to having addiction to the gym, and so I started going to the gym an unhealthy amount, and, like, it was, it was bad, because I kept, like, trying to spiral, like, get out of the spiral, but i do new things that spiral me down, and so I would go to the gym for, no joke, I think, back in May 2021, um, I went to the gym for, no joke, 13 hours in one day. Holy crap. So I was at the Nick from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. And I went back from like 1 to, God, I don't, I don't know, like 1 to 4. And I somehow went there from like 6, six to 12. And I was there for 13 hours. And <laughs> I was like, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm walking on the track. I was like, no, I'm benching. I'm benching grinding, for two hours yeah. straight. Then I'm going to do curls. Then I'm going to do leg presses. Then I'm going to go bench again because, you know, why not? My arms don't feel like they're going to fall off. And I come back to my apartment. I drink. And so I was like, okay, this needs to stop. So I started, I stopped drinking. Like I barely drink anymore. My friends, my friends like, you know, joke with me about it. They're like, you know, why don't you drink? I'm like, I don't feel the need to, man. Like I'm, I, you know, I've seen what it does to people. I, yeah. you know, being in a frat and seeing what it does to people, it, it, it is bad. I mean, you've also, you've personally experienced I've struggled it. with it. Yeah. yeah. And so struggling with it in the past, you know, seeing a lot of people who are new drinkers coming to college, obviously struggle with it because this new access everywhere you go and this new, like, you know, pushing, like you should absolutely drink alcohol because that's, you know, that's the ex expectation. Yeah. So I cut down alcohol to the point where I actually now, like I, I drink maybe twice a month now usually I, I haven't really drank that's great man yeah that's, like I, there was I think that's really um, cool. during the semester I probably drank twice total so like I just I cut down on it completely and I couldn't be more happy as a result because there's no like no other factors now man but like so I just you know I crafted an escape plan I you know ended up dropping out of the frat literally right after my first day with my girlfriend I dropped her off at her apartment then I started walking to the Nick Actually, before that, I went down to my one of my buddies, Deep, who lived at Vantage Point. She lived at Vantage Point. And I was like, this girl's fucking dope, man. <laughs> and then he was That's like... That's the best feeling, man. And then he's you like... You know instantly, bro. He was like, tell me more, tell me more, tell me yeah. more, tell me more. I was like, 
I fucking shit the bed on the first date because I only <laughs> talked about the frat and I only talked about trying to drop the frat, but holy fuck, she's fucking dope. He's like, that's fucking great, man. I was like, I'm going to go to the gym and drop the frat and I'm going to ask her on another date. And so I went to the gym, I dropped the frat while I'm on the incline bench rack and I drop it and I was about to message her asking about another date and she messaged me and she was like, you know, I had fun. Thanks a lot. I was like, you're like, what? I was like, she messaged me. I was like, you're shit. Like, that was and the worst so months later, you know, I learned earlier this year, she was like, I, just, I think I asked her about it. We had talked about it. She was like, yeah, I, honestly, I just did not have any friends in town at the moment. I was bored and I wasn't really planning on asking you a second date because all you did was talk about your frat and like yeah. what girl would want to date a guy who's having that type of struggle. But I was bored. So I asked you on another one. The second date went a lot better. And I was like, oh, well, you know, thanks for asking me on the second one because <laughs> I'm so dog shit at asking people. Like I was so dog shit at asking people about that stuff. So that happened. And so ever since then, man, like it, it's consistently been a road up. Like I, um, like a lot has happened since then. I feel like, you know, obviously like that's a huge story and like, that's a lot of stuff. So like, you know, whatever questions you have first, like I'll, I can probably answer cause it's more of a chronological thing there. So, yeah. Um, one, yeah. One of the biggest things that stuck out to me there was just your, I guess your awareness of the whole situation. Like, yeah. Because I feel like I get a common thing that people look back on, like, depressing moments in their life and they don't realize until afterwards. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, they in, they can look back and be like, oh, I was, like, depressed in that, in that stage. And maybe that was your case as well. Yeah. But, but you, you had that awareness in that moment where you're like... Yeah. At least you knew, like, something had to change, you know? Oh, and yeah. And that, I mean... Again, it seems like you were just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. You're like, this frat doesn't seem exactly. great for me. Oh, I'm dropping that. See if that helps exactly. me. Exactly. You know? And so I think, again, it's you have to be confident to fail and you have to be... And like, uh, yeah, it seems the like is, the last time I, we like, were trying I, to... I dropped that frat and like I'm still friends with a few guys in there. Like it's not, you know, you don't have to be in the frat to be friends with these guys. Yeah, obviously. it's no hard feeling. But like, know? so yeah. I am... Um, like for me, a lot of the awareness just comes from the fact that like, look, I've seen people who've struggled in the past with alcohol. And I see that there's a pattern that I'm starting to follow right now. So let's start to like figure stuff out. Let's, you know, we try, I tried the gym. It didn't work. I tried to, you know, start smoking weed. And after a week that petered out and that did not work because you try to supplement one depressant for another depressant while you're taking SSRIs, you're going to dissociate more. Yeah. And so I was like, this is bad. Like it got to the point where I just, you know, my, my grandpa called me one day. I was like, yeah, you know. I'm going to the gym and I'm going home and smoking a little bit of marijuana just to help with like the pain from like lifting. He's like, that's a dangerous slope, man. And it was like, I give him a lot of credit. It was like, I literally looking back on it now, like I will, you know, I will always be someone who's a supporter of, you know, if you want to smoke weed, whatever I'm a supporter of, like, you know, marijuana legalization, recreational use legalization. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, I wouldn't go back and do it again. Just because it wasn't for you, it was. It wasn't for me. Just because it, it turned into a crutch, and it turned into yeah. something that like I needed it to survive. And people are like, "Oh, it's not addictive." It, it is because it, it might not inherently be addictive, like nicotine. But it's something where like you're going Anything to chase, you're going yeah, and you're now, going to you chase know? that feeling of like you know, oh, it makes me feel painless, and like it's dangerous, man. Like you know, obviously, is it a better <laughs> is it a better alternative than alcohol or painkillers? Probably, but at the same time. You know, it's not, it's not great. But so I cut weed out. I cut down going to the gym. 
and then after that, I just started, you know, working with music again and started trying to read, you know, rediscover what I loved and rediscover what I loved doing. So that's super cool. Yeah, I wanted to talk touch on the weightlifting because I know I I think during that time I'd I'd see you a fair amount. Yeah. I know especially during like COVID, I'd I'd be with my my roommate Alex and we'd always I'd always see you. I'd yeah, see you I'd at see least in the morning. probably once once a week, every I, other week. Yeah. Because you know? like, I would go. I would see you in the mornings and I would be like, Oh, Hey Jeremy, how's it going? And you yeah. Know, um, talk we'd make small talk and you know, I'd, I'd go for like another hour and a half and I'd leave and then I'd come back at the end of the day and I'd just go like, there was no sleep there. There was like four hours of sleep max. And like, I'd go to sleep, wake up at five, take pre-workout, go to the gym, go home, do classes, do push ups in between, you know, then literally just sit on social media for hours and like do nothing you know maybe eat another pint of ice cream and negate all the work that i just did at the gym like i was just like you know i was just in a cycle man it was just bad yeah so what, what was the thought process behind the gym was that just kind of like an escape from yeah I, I what what was it i think it's you? just i always wanted to like I, i've so i've always been lifting weights um i started seventh grade i started lifting at like a local um, gym okay. uh, called Vadim Fitness Studio, and so I learned all the weightlifting techniques. Um, like truth be told, it was probably too early for me to start because, like, I personally would not recommend anyone starts lifting before the age of sixteen, just because you're still growing, your bones are still shifting, yeah. your plates are still shifting, and like it did permanent damage to like my lower back, where like I can't really squat now because, like, I, it's funny too because I can leg press a ton. Like I was like when I was in my full on gym phase last year, I was doing. Um, 10 reps of 1,500 pounds. Oh my gosh, and then I was man. doing one leg, <laughs> like 10 rep, one leg presses of 750. And so this is like during that huge, like, you know, that big gym phase, but I cannot squat more than 225. I can like press That's vertically so because my lower back just shifts and it locks up when I'm trying to go down and I'll be That's like, not good, I yeah. can't even, I can't even squat my body weight. Like I can, I can pick people up on my shoulders. I can give anyone a piggyback ride. That's not a big deal. I just can't go down yeah like i just i get stuck when i'm like halfway here and you think it's from it's absolutely too early yeah it's from lifting too early but so when i was younger it was like absolutely um a crutch but like i think back on one moment like i've always had a very toxic relationship with the gym and i think it really started from the fact of what started me going in the first place and it was you know when you're when you're raised in a predominantly jewish town like scarsdale and like a predominantly jewish uh, area like westchester you got stuff uh-huh. called bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs which are pretty much like big parties like you know, for people who turn 12 and you're jewish you have a big like you know i had one but you know you read from the torah you know and then you have a massive bash and so for one of the first ones for actually one of my best friends for jake um i was trying to try on suit pants and stuff like that and we had just bought some three months earlier and this was when i had started on lexapro which is a different uh antidepressant but like it makes you gain weight like it's been found like for like uh, boys going through puberty you gain a lot of weight okay so i was trying to try on the trousers and none of them were working and i started crying and my dad walked in and like pretty much said like you gotta start going to the gym you're fat i was like this fucking sucks man like you know because i always had that voice in the end back of my head i'm like every time i look myself in the mirror i'm like you know you don't look good and it would like i'd not stop and it was like i keep going and 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 it got to the point where like literally like i was half joking but i was half being serious like during the pan like during spring semester 2021 i was telling people like i'm gonna start going on steroids like i want to gain 
copious amounts of muscle. I don't care what the long-term negatives are. Hmm. I just, I feel like this is going to solve it. And like, thank God I didn't, because if I did, like it would be done. Like my, my heart would give out and I would have been fucking done by this point. But I was just like, I need this as something that'll help me channel my emotions. And when I started cutting down on a lot of the pre-workout stuff and I started like actually just looking from a healthy approach and like, you know, giving myself adequate sleep and then yeah. just going to the gym for like an hour or two each day and, you know, going with friends, establishing a routine with my best friend, one of my best friends, Joe, um, at that point, like everything was clear and I was just like, okay, I can do this now and it's healthy now. So do you remember it's sort of like, like a moment when you kind of like snapped out of that like vicious cycle yeah go two or three times a day and then just be unproductive yeah you know like when when did you when did you i mean i think my my full-on snap out of like everything was like it was probably around when i started dating Haley, when i started dating my girlfriend because like i just you know i was still in a vicious cycle i get to the point where like remember i tried to have like a witty floor time reunion at my apartment because you came over with yeah. Ryan and when Nate and like I was just I was I don't remember if you remember from last that night that was at was, that like right around that time that was when I was in the worst of it man wow and I was I like, couldn't even tell honestly. I was yeah. like dude it was bad and I was like super like you know I was trying to be like oh everything's fine yeah me. you know I'm doing all this shit now I mean I'm Mr. Tough Guy and a yeah, frat. Yeah, well, yeah, you're in the like, frat. You yeah. said you were loving And so it. I was yeah. like, and I was like, you know, trying to put on whole guys. And then yeah, yeah, when yeah. no one was there, I'd be fucking miserable. I'd be like, yeah. I got to do all this stuff. And I think it got to the point where I just like, I just started, I just started being like, I'm going to break down, man. I'm going to break down any moment. And so the summer hit and I had finally found a supportive group of friends that were, you know, at Wisconsin that were finally going to like support me. And, like, be there for me and, like, you know, help me talk about what was going on mentally. And I think I just got to a point where I was like, I need to change this whole thing. I need to change everything. So I dropped the fret. I started dating Haley. Um, obviously not not related to anything, but just, you know, I, I just coincidentally started dating Haley. And just, you know, when I started dating Haley, everything started to stabilize. And I was like, I want to be better for her hmm. in a way. Like, I just started dating her, but, like, I want to be better for her. Because I know personally that, like when I get into a very toxic, unproductive mode, everything goes to shit, including relationships, and I want to be better. I don't want this to be me burning out and me just not being a good human being. So I did it. I just abandoned a lot of the vices I had before, started being you know much more efficient with it, and I'm here now, so. That's, that's yeah. so great to hear, yeah. man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I guess I just, I just never knew. Yeah. I mean, I guess looking back on it all, do you think it made you a, a stronger person yes. as a result? That, there's no doubt in my mind that made me a stronger person. Yeah. I will. I mean, it, I'm not, yeah, I'm never I'm sure it sucked. Yeah, I mean, it sucked. I wouldn't Absolute, wish that upon anyone. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. But like at the same time, like I, I've, I've said it a few times during this podcast recording, but like. I, um, you know, I think failure is a requirement and I think that you have to fail and you have to experience failure in the low of the lowest of all the lows to really flourish. And so it got to the point where like, I was like, you know, right now I look back on it, like it was dark as hell, but I don't regret a damn thing. I don't regret, you know, the struggles and I don't regret everything that was going on because I would not be who I am right now without it. So. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a pretty cool story. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess we could just continue then. So, yeah. 
you know, you released that, that album. Yeah. And you dark, dark days. And then, yeah. So I released triumvirate and I go into the summer. And so the summer is where I just start to like really start advancing and in a lot of different avenues, not, not just music, but just like, it was finally when I was like, I can be who I am. And like, I don't have to be afraid of people judging me. And like these people are going to like, you know, love me and support me no matter what I do. That's and, awesome. you know, I can be open. So, so cool. uh, you know, last summer was probably the best summer of my life. Um, and so I, um, the, the one thing that wasn't stable was my jobs. Like I was working for UW um, as like a custodian for like the union. And I quit that job. And then the reason why I quit that job too is a whole other can of worms. But I'll sum it up quickly. And it's because I was um, misdiagnosed with allergies when i had actually a non-contagious severe upper respiratory infection and i dealt with it for five months to the point where i actually went to the hospital in june and i ended up missing a ton of my shifts at the union and i ended up kind of having to like resign yeah. because like I, i'm missing all these shifts i'm not gonna like i got an email at one point with her like if you you know you're on thin ice here basically like they don't care if you miss a certain amount of shifts because like it's it's a custodian job they always have people to fill in yeah but like they're like you're on the nice here this might be your last opportunity and i was like i'm gonna resign now because physically you know health-wise i'm, I'm messed up you just went there, yeah. so after i dealt with that um i was just kind of bouncing around job to job and so i finally found some stability when you know weirdly enough like i had just lost the job um working as like a housekeeper at one of the hotels around here uh, just because, like, I, I once again, like, my health got in the way and, like, I got hurt um, just around the same time. It made me, like, affect my ability to come in the shifts. And so I actually got a chance taken on me by MATC and they had a uh, desk clerk or whatever, like, virtual bookstore clerk. And they're like, you have experience with talking to people on the phone? Are you a you know, receptionist? Any experience? Like, I've done that in the past. I did that in New York for an optometrist office. And so I did that. And through that job, I was just, you know, slowly starting to work with communicating with people, you know, getting back to the basics, just helping people, right. you know, you know, basic stuff like I don't know where my books are or I don't know what books to get. I'd go into the database, et cetera. But like that job experience, like collided nicely with, you know, what I was doing that summer, which was meeting a whole bunch of new people at parties, you know. Do you think it helped that job? Oh, without a job. With, really? Without a doubt. That's yeah. so cool. And yeah. just that job, that job just helped every single aspect because when I came back to classes, I was like, I'm going full force right now. And I think the real start of it was in August of 2021. And I got a call from um, – one of the guys at the athletics office here and they're like you know we saw that you applied for a job during the pandemic in february 2020 and we had to close down like our entire division of production staff for um the entirety of the pandemic because there are no live fans so there's no reason to show graphics in the you know in the arena but we're doing it again now you know are you still interested because we were going to select you and i like i was like holy shit <laughs> i was like i really responded to like i remember if it was a call or text by or call or email but i responded instantly I was like, oh my god yeah without a doubt so long story short like four weeks later i'm standing on the sideline of camp randall stadium at the home opener <laughs> holding the wires for one of the cameras and it was one of the most dope experiences of my life because like i was on the field i was talking with i was talking with tj edwards who's a linebacker for the eagles i was talking with uh Oh, I think Quintez Cephas was there, but like a bunch of former Badgers were there. 
Um, I was talking with a bunch of like the families of some of the players there. Like um, everyone was on the sideline. Like I was having conversations with like some of the senior officials there, and I was like, "It's just dope, man." Yeah, like, it's so. Cool. This is such a one in a million opportunity oh, right yeah. now, and I was like. That does it. I, I'm I'm going full force of career stuff. Like I'm turning full force workaholic because that for me has been like the least toxic thing. Like I can absolutely become a workaholic at any moment, and like I always have been one. But that's the least toxic way I can get out like a lot of my energy. So from there, I was like, I sent pictures to one of my old bosses, Malik, um, at the Rightway Sports Network, which is a USA Today uh, digital property. Um, mm-hmm. And so he texts me back. He's like, you know, you want to come back? Because I wrote for them during the initial pandemic and then left when I was trying to found my own company. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And so I started doing a podcast with them for professional wrestling with this guy named Justin Lastertosa. And so from then, I started gathering podcast experience. And I was like, I'm going to keep going because this is, you know, this is a great great path. path. And, you know, everything is coming together slowly but surely. And so I go to the Tritonal show in October and I get you know, the contact info of Abel Gray, because, you know, I, you know, talked to him on Instagram and he and I have a call and he's like, you know, we'd love for you to hop on. And we love the fact, you know, like you're a college student that's, you know, looking to do all this stuff. And so I start forging relationships with DJs in the area. And so it's like from there, everything started to like finally pick up. Uh, I launched my own personal podcast called the All Heart Podcast. And I had one of my buddies on there, one of my roommates um, from the year before about just his experience of long COVID. And so that spirals from there. And so I'm starting to write, I'm starting to uh, produce podcasts, I'm starting to like produce music. And so I go into winter break and I'm like, you know, this is finally coming together. Like everything here is coming together. Um, everything's stabilizing. And so when we came back from break, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. Like I'm, I'm just gonna keep pushing. I don't, I don't care what else you gotta mm. do. I'm gonna keep pushing stuff. So like you know I do literally like if you could describe one day from from my my life at that point it was go to um, a women's basketball game for the Badgers do color commentary on the Big Ten Network because that was also another thing I started becoming a play by play commentator for like the national broadcast of Holy the women's crap. basketball games I did not know that yeah so I'm I'm one of the voices of the women's basketball team now and so oh I would I would literally. I come to the state to the Cole Center at five, game time seven thirty. Get out ten thirty. DJ a party at eleven. So I would I would have full suit on. Get to the frat. Take off the suit. Put on t-shirt and shorts. DJ. And so I did this Two for very different things. For, for Nathan's yeah. friend, Nathan Bay. So yeah, Phi yeah. Kappa Sig. So like those guys, I I love those guys. Like huge endorsement to them. Um, I think they're personally the best frat in in UW right now they're they're a great group of guys um like that like kind of a sidetrack but like something that I had like as someone who wasn't a frat you get to hear the ins and outs and like you get to hear the ins and outs of other frats and you know all that stuff and the only fraternity that I've ever heard of that top to bottom has their shit together and keeps not just you know girls safe at parties but everyone safe at parties and has a great track record is Phi Kappa Sig. And I've witnessed enough of just their exclusive brother activities and their parties to just be fully confident in them. So, like, the biggest endorsement to them, like, if you are an incoming freshman and you are looking to rush fraternity, I cannot endorse Phi Kappa Sigma enough because they're a wonderful group of guys. Like, legitimately, like, this is not a paid ad. These are just a really good group of guys, and I have full confidence in them. Like, you and I both know Nathan Bay. Yeah, for sure. And he's one of the best human beings I know. Yeah, So, like, just cannot endorse them enough. But so I DJ party for them. 
And then next day, I <laughs> go and sit in the production room, run the big boards, and call the uh, student section race winner for the Badger games. So I'm the one who chooses the student section race winner. Oh so I go commentate a game, DJ, go to sleep for six hours, wake up at 6 a.m., go to the call center, go to the remote control room, and control the graphics from the call center. Because there's a fiber optic cable that runs under the ground from the call center to Camp Randall. So the control center for the big boards is actually at call center. So um, we'd have the production room there. And Are you doing that next year too? Yeah, yeah. Wait, so you're, so do you do the design with the people that are the, the letters that are? Well, I don't do the design, but I choose the winner. Okay, so, so you you kind of just select like I want M to win. Yeah, and then yeah. There's like a there, there was a streak a where graphic there, yeah there was a streak where I was just choosing the letter M each week. <laughs> it's just like there were like two or three weeks. I'm not sure people <laughs> noticed when they were in the stands. I feel like now that you say that, but, I remember like a span where like. like the same one won like three yeah like, but like truth be truth be told like uh i'm not gonna do this by joke before my buddies ben the other day i was like i should absolutely try to be on you know be the person who's controlling it for like five weeks in a row so i could do hi mom just h-i-m-o-m but um i mean it's not obviously not gonna be the case now but um yeah. i was just like i should really do that but because like you know we all get a kick from it like every in the production room we get a kick from like all the stupid shit we see on the screen so you know shout out to the guys in the production room um I love them all to death. You know, I will appreciate endlessly Jake Zink, who's the one of the production coordinators for just taking a chance on me and just literally, you know, asking me if I wanted to join, you know, after having that application in. But, like, from then on, like, during, you know, the winter, I was just, like, getting nudges from my family. I was like, when are you applying to internships? And I was like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, you know, I thought I was just going to do the shit I'm doing. So I was working, like, five or six different jobs. I was doing, you know, work for X Medias, which is the music collective. I was doing work for the Right of Way Sports Network. I was still going to have pretty much a guaranteed paying job over the summer if I wanted it with MATC. Um, but so I was pushed by my family to apply for a few high-profile jobs, and I have, like, an extensive portfolio and all that stuff because uh -huh. all the crazy shit I'd done. And so I... Um, I applied first for just a generic, basically the intern the way your internship process goes at Paramount is, you know, it's a very selective program. It's like you probably have like a well over 100,000 college age kids apply and like only 300 are accepted. And so you, you basically, yeah, you basically submit your resume and everything. And if they like you, you basically get considered for all the positions. It's not like a singular position, okay. it's all them. But you're basically asked by like one of their recruiters, they're like, you know, what what is your focus? And it's like for me, it's always sports. I've always been a very sports oriented person. So my first interview was for CBS Sports and it was for a digital marketing position. And so I interviewed, I thought I did well. Um, I got the, you know, rejection letter, you know, a few, you know, weeks later. I was like, this sucks, but they're like listen, we have another division and not a lot of people know about it, but we're going to recommend you for it. And, you know, we, you know, it's for Showtime Network and it's a sports social media position and we feel like your skills are better oriented for it and we'd love for you to interview. And so I interviewed for it and I was like, this interview went really well. You know, I, I thought I was maybe a little bit awkward. Maybe I came off a little bit awkward, but I was like, this interview went really well. And so then... I had another interview and, you know, the interview, you know, my supervisor now, because, you know, I'm obviously the intern for them, but so my supervisor now, Caitlin, was like, yeah, you know, we have a, you know, another member of our team, Matt, who wants to talk to you. And so he's like, you know, do you have any suggestions for any of our shows? I was like, what? <laughs> no way. I was like, I was like, no way. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, you know, and like, this is all stuff. This is like not confidential info. This is literally yeah. just like, 
you know, I feel like this is generic stuff. Like if you are into, like this is a tip for anyone who's listening. Like if you are interviewing for an internship, do not be afraid to put yourself out there, put your input in there because they are always interested in what you have to hear, even if it's the stupidest shit on the planet, because at least it shows that you're creative. So he was like, you know, what ad suggestions do you have? Because they had sent me, like, they'd asked me if I wanted to, like, you know, look through their pod, well, their podcasts and commentate on, like, things you like, things you noticed. So I made a two-page Google Doc of a bunch of different timestamps and ads. Like, here's something where I think a transition could be used. I think we could use some background music here. I like the emphasis on this color of, like, the logo in the backdrop. I like the paintings on the wall because I think they really influence, like, the, you know, the vibe of the podcast. And I think huh. it's cool. So it's like, you know, we took all, you know, we really liked your suggestions. We were wondering like, you know, what suggestions you'd have for like a digital marketing campaign. So I gave him my suggestions. He's like, yeah, thanks. We'll be in touch. And so I'm sitting in J405 at Vilas Hall and I have an immediate, you know, my phone's on do not disturb. It's, it's a small ass seminar. It's like 13, 13 people. I'm sitting next to my, my friend, Justin. And so he and I had just been chatting about the internship process because he was looking at internships for the summer because he was also sports journalism. So I get a missed call from a, you know, New York area code. And so I look at it on my phone, I look at him, and I just <laughs> turn it on while my poor professor is talking. And like, you know, shout out to Professor Schwalk. I'm, I'm sorry that I um, wasn't paying attention to this one, but you know, there was a more important topic at the time. But so I go into Google and I type in the number that was on my phone and I click enter and it's Paramount Global. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so I checked my email. Oh my God, I checked God. my fucking email. Cause this was like the way that this class worked was it was a two hour, 30 minute class with like halfway through you had a 30 minute break. So we were approaching there. We were like five minutes away. But so again, I see an incoming email message. I was like, okay, this is going to be like, we are sorry, but we can offer you this internship. And I was like, like, you know, I'm sorry. Call. I click on, it's like, we're, we want to offer you this position. Oh my and so God. I turned to Justin. I was like, Holy fuck. Like I, I'm not holy fuck. I turned my computer and he's like, oh fuck, holy shit, Matt. And I was like, you know, we go to our break five minutes later because I'm trying not to cry. Like I emailed her, obviously. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I fucking accept. I accept, I accept, I accept. Holy shit, this is my fucking dream. I'm working for Paramount. I'm working for Showtime Sports. I'm working for a big time sh- sports channel. And so oh I like t- turned to Justin and I was like, you think he'd be offended if like one of his 13 students left and he's like I think you could just email him after explain he'd be okay with it and so I walk out and I walk out to the patio on Violet and I call the number back and I was like hi is this Chelsea because she was the recruiter that talked to me and it was her number she's like yeah hi is this Matt I was like yeah oh my god oh my god yes I accept I accept I accept you know what what do you need from me you know is it in person or whatever and she's like you know it's hybrid you know whatever you want to do if you want to be remote if you want to come in person and I was like whatever you want me to do dude I, I, want, I will do whatever I'm gonna cry right now I was like I'm so sorry I'm trying not to cry right now I'm a fucking 6'5 man child trying not to ball on the phone with an internship recruiter and so she was like I totally understand it it's okay you know we're gonna get you in touch with your team now uh, I'm so happy you're you know I'm so happy that you're gonna be working with us and so I literally walked down the quick trip because you know my girlfriend wasn't um my girlfriend hadn't, wasn't home at the time, so I was at Quick Trip because I did not want to tell anyone before. I told my girlfriend. I told my mom already, but she was freaking out. But so I was at Quick Trip. I'm sitting at Quick Trip. I'm like, you know, I might as well just call some of my family. My family's freaking out. So I show up to Haley's with, I think I showed up with, like, donuts or something. <laughs> I'm like, I told her beforehand. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to see you today because I'm going to be busy because I, you know, had to do some shit for UW Athletics or something. And so I show up with donuts, and she's like, 
are you here? I was like, well, I got the internship. And she was like, you got, you got the internship? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got the internship. And I can, you know, be remote. I can do it from, you know, from Wisconsin. It's like, you know, nothing is required to do in office. So I'm going to be seeing you this summer too. Oh my so it's gosh. not going to be long distance. Yeah, and she's so like, cool. oh man. So that happened. And then literally a week later, we went home to my, my hometown so she could meet my family. And then a week after that, we adopted our cat. So it was just a whole sequence of events during the spring semester. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just like. It's like almost fairy tale in a way. Yeah, it's just, yeah. The amount of positivity and like that. What is that? Like three weeks? Yeah. Is and just like. Crazy. It, again and again, I said in earlier broadcast, like she has been the single driving force of like all my positivity and all my good energy. Like she's been so crucial to it, man. And like it's just been, you know, a total blessing to be able to just spend time with her and just, you know, have her continually encourage me to be a better person and, you know, just continually giving me encouragement and, you know, pushing me further. It's just been something that I cannot, like, like, I, I would not trade that for the world. Like, yeah. I will, like, I've sung her praises to every single one of my friends, and I think they know at this point because, like, they they, they see her enough that they're like, oh, hey, Haley, how's it going? <laughs> like, right. you know, but I'm like, every time, like, this girl is literally like making me such a better person. Like it's not a codependency thing. It's like right. a straight up a just thing. great energy yeah. and really pushing me to be a better person and like always offering new ways to help, always finding solutions to problems. Probably the smartest person I know always just giving me like, you know, innovative ways to succeed and stuff like that. Always just really pushing me. And it's just, you know, something that I would not trade for the world. That's great, man. Yeah. You need it. You need a person in your life that yeah. can do that for you. No doubt. That's, no doubt. That's awesome. That you no found doubt. That. Yeah. I mean, so I guess we've kind of like fast forwarded this summer. Yeah. I always like asking the question, just, I guess a day in the life of Matt Blaustein. Like, yeah. How's that looking today? I mean, so it's a lot have, because like, four or five jobs. Six yeah. Jobs, I mean, yeah. So for me right now, it's um, I wake up, you know, obviously like eight a.m. or whatever. Work for Paramount from eight to four. Sometimes it's later, um, and then you know work on some music. Probably spend time with friends or my my girlfriend. Sometimes go and just hang out on the terrace. Um, that's been the big spot for me this summer. Just go and spend time with Memu. Um, but I um. Yeah, it's basically just been a lot of Paramount. It's been a lot of... Uh, it's all video production, so it's all video editing. It's all um, working with um, graphics and stuff like that, and, you know, making sure everything's spliced correctly correctly okay. through social media. So... Um, so it deals with social media, though? Yeah, it's, that... it's, like, all social media. It's, like, if you know, like, the reels on Instagram and stuff like that, I have to, like, change the aspect ratio of videos. So I have to take, like, a, you know, horizontal video and make it vertical, but, like, zoom in on each frame to make sure that's in frame. And it's, you know, it's a very annoying, time-consuming process, but at the same time, like... It's a great It's experience. for Paramount, Yeah, man. Like, yeah. it's for fucking Paramount. <laughs> like, only 300 people out of 100,000 so, get so, if I, so, like, for those videos, if... Is it what social medias are those posted? Yeah, on? so it's it's pro posted on. Um, so Paramount has a. Uh, I think they have only one Twitter account for their basketball, and that's Show Basketball. Um, but then they also have uh, individual Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts for their podcast. So it's specifically All the Smoke, which is one of their podcasts, and it is a. They have podcasts. They do, and that's been their big thing. So is that that's, what you're, you're? Yeah, so I'm mainly okay. working with the podcast. When you there. say Paramount, I just think movies. Yeah. You know? So they have pretty much everything. They have, they have music, animation, etc. They have um, sports. So they have sports. Um, is that like C the well, Paramount? Paramount is CBS Sports. So so basically, what I did not. Know yeah. That. So fun stuff is literally like three months before the internship started. Uh, Paramount 
Global, which was like the uh, you know big movie company, etc., mm. uh, Paramount Pictures, etc., merged with Viacom CBS um, to form Paramount. Like they just made they just renamed the company after the movie company, not after the uh, original broadcast. So like it's Paramount, like CBS isn't Paramount. So NFL and CBS, CBS Sports is Paramount now. But they, so, they just keep calling it CBS. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's like it's a whole. It's merely just branding. Um, but like personally, I mean, I think like honestly, it sounds better than Viacom CBS because like it's just it's easier to put on. Like it's easier to have a logo. It's just this yeah. Paramount. Like I, like if I had the uh, like this water bottle, if I had like Viacom CBS, it wouldn't nearly like go. That's so sick. But it's so such a cool water bottle. But so yeah, I mean, it's just been such a fun time of just working with, not just like. Not just my team, because the team is wonderful. Like, everyone on that team is so amazing and so skilled and so talented. And, like, I've learned a lot from them this summer. I'm eight weeks in of the 10-week internship, um, and I'm not looking forward to the end because I've, I've just there's so much more for me to do. There's so much more for me to learn. Yeah. But also, like, the fellow interns, like, there are networking events for, like, fellow interns. And, like, I have met so many dope people through this internship. It is nuts. So many talented people who are definitely going to be like the future of like broadcasting, future of entertainment, future of all this stuff, future media moguls. Like it's just, it is such a rewarding process because you get to see all these people succeeding and growing and it's just so rewarding because not only are you doing that, but you get to see everyone around you doing it. It's just, it's wonderful. It's not, it's not the one thing that people should never do in internships is go in expecting like wanting to compete with people. It's not about competing. It's about growing together. It's about synergy. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, that I mean that that's amazing. Yeah, so so you're doing that, and then you have the Showtime job as well. Yeah, well that that is the Showtime job. Oh, so okay. Showtime is Paramount. It's a Paramount. Company. That's also yeah. Paramount. So okay, um, basically that whole thing is Showtime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean that. So you, are you still at MATC, or did you take off this? So MATC, I'm starting back up with them in the um, fall. In the yeah, so I'm starting back up with them. In August. Okay. Um, so Once the internship ends. Yeah. So literally like three days after my internship ends, I'm going to be working for them for like a month. Yeah. Because it's usually just a bunch of onboarding. Like they're also a lovely team of people. Like I've, I love, like I, I've had, I've worked at a few great places and MATC has always been just a lovely group of people. The people who I've worked with, um, like the people who are um, the heads of like technology there who I regularly correspond with, just great people. Okay. Like they they are so easy to reach and so personable and just you know it's, it's a fun job to have so mm-hmm. yeah that's just the the local tech school for those yeah. that don't know yeah um, yeah that's that's cool yeah but um and then another thing too is like with the DJing um I feel like yeah it's a whole other aspect of your oh life. yeah you, know, you got so much going but like on. so I I actually had my first you know big venue show on June sixth and that was at Liquid and that was. A huge success that was like um, you didn't open like you were the no i were i was they had a dj <laughs> summit so i i dj what so is your name still matthew Matt no Lassie? so it, it's fully it's uh i switched it so i switched it to foster city foster and so city. okay um number one reason so the one thing i will tell everyone anyone who wants to like produce music or anyone who wants to dj make your song make your name something that can be easily spelled by a drunk guy or girl at a party that comes up to you because that was my biggest flaw. If I put on one of my songs at a, you know, at a frat party and they'd be like, what song is this? I'd say my last name. Nothing. Because how yeah. the hell do you spell my last name? So that's, Foster, a, that's a good thing to think exactly. about. Just make it, it's all branding. It's all marketable. Yeah. Things. So Foster city came from the aspect of, look, I came from New York. 
and I never really felt super welcome in my hometown in a way. And this city, like Madison's become like my foster home. So Foster City. That's so cool. And so a lot of people were like, well, there's, you know, there's a city in California called Foster City. You adopted on that. I was like, honestly, I found out about that after making the name. Like yeah. I straight up just did not know that there's a city That's like a, a city? Yeah, there's an actual city okay. in, near, just outside, I think it's San Francisco called Foster City. Um, apparently it's well known or something, but I, I did not know. So, okay. um, but so... I DJ'd my first venue gig on June 6th. And so the guys at Liquid too, like I literally, I the one thing I try to do whenever I'm working is I try to find a great environment. I try to find a great group, uh, group people to work with. Um, and especially when DJing, like, you know, I, I was referred to Liquid. Uh, they have like a talent pool um, thing called a DJ Summit where basically they invite like a few local DJs on and they let yeah. them perform just to like get you more experience and get you connected with the, you know, business. But so... Liquid's just a great group of people. Um, their best, you know, the, the big thing about them too is like they're like one of the only like small venues left in that, like independent venues left in Madison because Live Nation went and bought up the Sylvie, bought up the Majestic, bought up everything. So everything is like corporation owned now yeah. besides stuff like Liquid. So I will always choose to work with independent companies because oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm huge with that. Yeah. So um, when it comes to Liquid, um, I got a text a few days ago from, or a few weeks ago from one of their, one of their guys there named Riley, who's one of like the show coordinator guys. And he was like, um, shout out to Riley. I, I have I don't think you're probably not listening to this cause you're not a UW student. You're not really, you don't follow my Instagram, but you know, if you're on this, you know, good stuff, you're, you're a great guy and you really just helped me a lot. But so he was like, you know, we're trying to fill up our stage for the next few weeks and you know, we have a few shows coming up. We'd love to have you out. And I was like, well, I've actually been thinking about saying, and so I um, talked to him for a bit, and so we um, basically came up with, let me find it. Um, so basically, I was like, look, I've had an idea ever since, you know, what happened in uh, Highland Park and with the shooting there. Mm -hmm. And I'm very big on charity and giving back. You know, I have friends who, you know, are from Highland Park. You know, Nathan's actually from Highland Park. So wow. um, Nathan's from Highland Park. My friend Jose is from Highland Park. Um people that you know, I know were personally affected by this. And I was like, I want to do a charity show. And like, I want to, you know, I can coordinate the talent. I know people all around Madison who are, you know, incredibly talented musicians, incredibly talented DJs, but also I have, you know, X Medias, the music collective, they're Chicago based. And they have a few guys from Highland Park in there and they want to come up. Like they want some people to perform too. And so on August 27th, we are putting on this show at Liquid that will be announced tomorrow. Hey. Uh, it's going to be called For a Better Day. That is um, so awesome. Foster City and Friends present For a Better Day. And it's going to be benefiting the Highland Park Community Foundation um, on August 27th at Liquid. Um, <laughs> and all proceeds are going to the Highland Park uh, July 4th response fund. So, Dude! It's, it was... Oh my gosh. You yeah. were doing like... Big big things. Yeah, and I'm so that? excited like, for it because that is so. It's something cool, where man. I love giving back. Like that is I my mean, number one thing. Like charity, working with anyone. Like I hate. This is gonna sound weird. Like I I've gotten a lot of you know crap in the past because like I hate working for money in most cases. Like I will do it because I have to survive to make money. But in a lot of ways, I would love to just work to work. It's pro bono, and just baby. Pro bono, yeah. and so to be able to work. So literally, I, I'm I'm headlining the show. Like I'm I'm 20 years old and I'm gonna be headlining a show. So that's nuts. You know, when I started <laughs> DJing and when I started producing music when I was like 12, I would never. Expect I always that. I always think that like 
if you could like tell your younger self like and like show I what you're cried. doing now yeah what would you think i would have straight up like, cried man know? i would have probably cried my ass off like the eight to the eighth grader who just was you know being like bullied and being outcasted you know getting all that weight from like the you know antidepressant or whatever and you know going through puberty and being awkward and like literally isolating himself from everyone like if i could tell him that everything was going to be okay i would like it would just you know have made my life so much easier but so like i'm, I'm headlining a show at liquid on august 27th and i'm so incredibly excited for it i mean just just wow dude like i don't i don't even know what to say like it's just i mean that's gonna be such a cool feeling oh that, yeah like especially it's incredibly cathartic since, you know one or two years ago you were at like your bottom yeah of your life and then like you finally it seems like you finally got this chance to like yep. channel this energy yep and you're finally starting to see the product of like what you can do if yeah. you can channel that you know yeah and i've just like it's been a continual process and i've been like i want i just want to give back and i just want to get better and i want to make an impact and, and that's I, that that's the thing man yeah. that's why it, that's why this is so cool to me because you're like exactly what you said you're not like doing it for the money yeah. like once you do it for that that's when it it starts to become like maybe not unethical but more of it a routine. starts it's yeah based. and it gets almost for me know, like i have malicious yeah more selfish than anything i have never like the fun fact about me is i've never been paid for a dj gig i've never asked for money for one i've never been paid I think the only time I actually asked for money was like, you know, later on when I was in my frat and like I was just done. But I've never asked for money for a DJ gig because it's my passion, man. Like I, and if I could do something to benefit someone else to the point where like I do think we'll get a good turnout for this because like it's August 27th. Everyone's Dude, coming back like, to campus. And they like gave you like a prime. They know that that's the one like everyone's coming yeah. back, you know? Like, yeah. And so. I mean, that's just awesome. Like what it was able to and, set that up. You know? Well, not even that. They literally gave me free reign. They were like, you know, we want to do this because we have this night available. You know, if you put the talent together, we'll do whatever you want to do. Dude. I was like, holy shit. Like you were, okay, number one, like the, the idea of ch choosing, you know, letting a 20-year-old who has DJed for you once put together a show is a really, you know, bold move. But at the same time, like I was fucking honored, man. I was like, this is dope. And, you know, I am going to absolutely make sure we tear that house. I mean, house. yeah, they, they must have been confident that you were going to see yeah. this through and through, you know. And so our, for our, uh, you know our headliner i'm so i'm headlining but um i'm not gonna be the last one um so like there's basically two main headliners of one night and uh, of the night and it's gonna be me performing it i think i'm performing from like i don't know like 11 30 to 12 30 um as far as like the schedule goes um but then also like you know we have another headliner his name's ari and so ari is actually a resident of highland park so he's from x medias he's from highland park uh, he knows people who are like personally affected like personally affected like had loved ones who were killed and so when we were putting this together, I literally was like in the X Media group chat. I was like, you know, we're putting this together right now. Who wants to do it? Ari was like, I would love to come up for it. And I was like, I'm making you headline. Like, you are headlining. Like, you know, I know you're probably headlined anyways because you're fucking amazing. But like, <laughs> you're fucking headlining. This is affecting you personally. You are absolutely yeah, headlining. And if you like, want to be, yeah. I, if you accept it, he's like, dude, I will I will do everything for it. I will promote it. I will get a bunch of people up there into Madison because he's from, he's from Highland Park. So that's like an hour and a half drive. But I will get people into Madison. And, like, I want this to be a success. And I was like, let's do it. Dude. So. 
I'll tell you if if you remind me, I I'll be yeah. there. I'll, well, also I'll, we got we I'll got some uh, so we got some Madison uh, talent in there too. So we got um we got um, STFU who's uh, Shram Tanea um, who's an SPDJ, but then we also have DJ Mercury who's an SPDJ. That's Hunter Glassford. But then also we got, um, if you know Alex Collenberg, who is um, one of Billy's friends. Um, okay. I don't think I met him. I'm so not sure if I met him. one of Billy's roommates is going to be performing. So okay. um, shout out to Baby AK, who is uh, going to be performing on the Ruby <laughs> stage. We have to, I have to, you know, iron out some kinks with him there because he's never done a live performance of this nature, as I, as far as I know. But um, I am incredibly excited for Matt and like I'm, I cannot wait. I'm just counting down the days until it happens so yeah what are the what are the are you just excited i'm nervous? fucking I mean, stoked I, yeah. i'm not even nervous at all like i i just my my most nervous was when i was performing at the live dj summit at liquid on uh june 6th and i got out there and two minutes later my nerves are gone as like i'm gonna be performing at this gig and i know that you know i'm not gonna toot my own horn much but like since i am probably like a headliner and i'm a uw student and the majority of people are coming out to probably see me so or support a charity but at the same time great i'm just gonna give him a hell of a show <laughs> like i don't i love that. i don't i don't i'm not scared i'm just ready to fucking tear the house down like yeah. let's fucking do it man. that's awesome like i cannot like they're gonna have to fucking pull me off the stage i'm not i'm gonna want dj for the rest of the night i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be like mentally i'm gonna be like ari has to go on but maybe just one more song <laughs> and but um i'm so stoked i mean the relationships that i've made with people through djing too and just you know through my first gig at liquid like one of my one of the guys i dj'd with um alex witty is coming back um no relation to the dorm at all just like his name's alex witty but he um <laughs> he was like interested you know riley testing he's like yeah if you remember alex witty from your dj sh- you know from the summit he wants to dj at this i was like fucking yes because this guy i owe him the world and more because my microphone wasn't working i was trying to MC and dj at the same time and i was nervous as hell and so he comes through the curtain and just grabs it and starts MCing for me while i'm djing i was like holy fuck man this guy is the nicest guy ever yeah. and he's giving me all this feedback and like he's giving me all this hype up and like he you know showed up early to the venue and he and i were talking in the green room beforehand and like he was giving me all this advice and i was like fuck yeah and then he just literally came out for half my performance and just recorded me and took pictures of me i was like dude you were fucking and you didn't even ask for god yeah i was like and like that's a lot of like there's an inherent brotherhood amongst djs that's and really like cool. you know or, or sisterhood what whoever's familyhood whatever you want to say for whoever's performing but um Inherently, whenever you're performing a show, there's already like if you're a family and you take care of each other and you, you know, help each other the best you can. And so, for me to be able to take that platform that Alex allowed me to like really have and like you know let him MC for me and for me to be able to you know give that to you know other Alex now actually ironically um, who I don't he might actually be listening to this one I'm not sure but if uh, Alex Collenberg if you're listening to this one I, I hope you tear the house down I'll be there to support you and I'm so excited for you to make your live debut so. Yeah. That that is awesome, man. I mean Yeah, I guess what do we got for time here? Just over two hours. Yeah, I guess go. is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean uh, man, I, I think we're pretty much set. I think you, we are too. I yeah. think I think we maybe 
give give the details of the event if people want to yeah. come out and if, uh, shout yourself out. Yeah, I mean, if people so want to check your stuff out. If people want to follow me on socials, uh, my Instagram is at uh, Matt L B L A U S T E I N. So at Matt L Blaustein. Uh, if you have Jeremy's socials. Uh, He's following me now. I made sure that earlier yeah. today. So um, give that. Um, also, if you want to follow my music social on Instagram, it's uh, Foster City Music. Um, I will I will DJ your functions, and I will likely not charge you just because I enjoy <laughs> DJing. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to people who you know have any passion about music, and I just like you know, I guess you know for this event, um, it's August 27th. I think we're still talking about getting, you know, we're ironing out the kinks about the schedule and stuff. But I think as far as things go so far, uh, doors set to open 9 p.m. This is at Liquid uh, 624 University Ave in Madison. Um, and it's going to be a great night. Uh, we have a full slate of talent. We have um, STFU, Alex Witte, Hash BBC, Foster City. Um, we have uh, Air Lush. Uh, we also have uh, Baby AK, DJ Mercury. Uh, Ethman and Power Up uh, on the Ruby stage, and it's going to be a great night. Um, there should be a ticket presale link um, on the website for um, Liquid very shortly. I'm still trying to figure out with them when we're going to start promoting it, um, but I believe the tickets are going to be fifteen dollars. Um, and just keep in mind that um, all the proceeds are going to charity. Like it's all going to the emergency response fund. It's all going to the July Fourth response fund. We want to. You know, take care of the people who are affected by the tragedy in Highland Park the best we can. So it's all going to charity. And I guess if, you know, I, I need to sign off with like, you know, anything. It's just, listen, man, the only way is up. The only way is up, you know, just with that song by Martin Garrix and Tiesto. But, you know, it, it's true. The only way is up. You know, there's always, you're always going to hit roadblocks. So you're always, do not be afraid to fail. The only way is up. Um, if I could give any advice to my younger self, it would just be the only way is up, man. You're you're gonna be okay. Everything's gonna turn out fine. Matt Blaustein, folks. Thanks for coming on, man. Of course, man. Really Happy to be here. It. Thank you. Good little dap up there. Awesome. <laughs>